Good people. Hope you guys are well. Welcome back. As we get this going here. As you know, this is the Onyx Report, where we as black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. That is our goal here. So I wish you well. I hope everybody is feeling good. It's a beautiful Wednesday. Shout out to the people who came in early. Uh, what's up, Abdullah? Uh, Leon, what's going on? Clarence, uh, Mr. Mila. So we got War Child Games in here. No one, what's good? The Dardar, appreciate that early support. You know, uh, Samuel, Busy Mike, what's going on? Big Homie Coop, Brother Ron. A number of people came through early. Appreciate that. Um, Greg, an Afro uh, Disciple, appreciate that early support. F Holiday. Christopher, what's good? Shout out to Greg for the cash app. It's much appreciated. Uh, like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel so we can continue to bring you independent blackmail thought. I'll know what it is. Um, as well, make sure you support the Onyx Network. You can download that on iPhone, Android, uh, Amazon Fire TV, Roku, whole deal. Anyway, support the channel, if you will. We're trying to broaden what we're doing. And I'm trying to showcase, uh, you know, people's work to the extent that they're willing to allow me as far as their content. Uh, so I put that up on the channel so you can you can catch the Green Gorilla. 
you can catch um, BGS and more. Y'all know the deal. So uh, trying to get the word out there and using different uh, ways to go about it. Shout out to Patrick. Appreciate that support. He said, this is the way. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> you know, uh, but just so y'all know, there's a variety of ways you can support. You can support the Onyx Report uh, right here on YouTube. You can do so through Patreon. You can become a member on YouTube. And of course, you can even uh, on Patreon support the Onyx Report, the Onyx Network all together and the Institute for Black Male Studies all through one venue uh, or vehicle, I should say. Um, so consider doing so. Uh, so we can get this going. Now, a couple of preliminaries that I wanted to kind of touch on before we delve into the subject of tonight or tonight. Um, go ahead and move this. So the first of which, see if I can go ahead and share the screen real quick. We got a couple of little incidents, and this is I'm going to consider this. Uh, kind of a public service announcement for all intents and purposes. So this is an article you can find on smartnews.com. Maryland substitute teacher removed from elementary school over tweets scolding black moms. And so this is a young woman who uh, considers herself a hood teacher who decided that she was going to go ahead and scold the mothers of her black male students at the school, elementary school she worked at out in Maryland, Marlboro, more particularly. Shout out to Heru, appreciate that support. What's good, Spain man? See you in the building. Busy Mike, Brandon, Tony, what's up? Um, so anyway, so this particular piece, you know, one of the things she says, she scolds the, the mothers or how they're raising their sons. And she talks about everything from how they, uh, you know, engage her, how they treat her, how they talk to her and how she responds, making a number of them cry, sending them home in tears. Uh, she also talks about, uh, you know, how they're, how they're, how they, you know, appear in school and how they present themselves. But one of the statements she makes at an early point in time in these texts, is she says she has the bitchiest boys in her class. She says, I know y'all have some men around somewhere. This mess is getting ridiculous, right? Now, she calls herself advocating for black boys, at least the ones in her class. But the way she goes about it is to really kind of just talk down on them in the midst of chastising the mothers. And I looked at this and I thought, this is actually how some people present themselves as allies and supporters of black males. And I want us to be more mindful of, of this kind of thing, because I think it's a problem. You know, one of the things we know is that black boys do particularly well when they have black male teachers. And that's definitely one of the things that needs to happen as far as the improvement of uh, the, the whole quality of life for black boys in education. Uh, we need to have black male teachers, but those teachers need to be compensated and they need to be supported in a way where they're not just used until drained and then replaced. We know talking to black male teachers and I myself have had this experience. They tend to put you in a classroom with all of the discarded students, most particularly black males that the other teachers don't want to deal with. They don't usually allow black male teachers the kind of leg room to create programs that they might be able to use to actually help. And then when those teachers are burned out after a short period of time and definitely underpaid, they tend to leave and they're replaced. 
And, and a lot of the time we don't see these men actually advance administratively so that they could build programs that they themselves know could be helpful. They usually have to work uh, as underlings under, under those who don't respect their position, don't respect what they have to contribute, but nevertheless want to use them to really kind of bully the kids they don't want to deal with. So that said, we have to really change the nature of who shows up for black boys and how. We have to change the culture of how that happens. Denigrating with them, argue, denigrating them, arguing with them in class, dismissing them, talking down on them, this kind of thing, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And even though she presents, her, presents herself as advocating for black boys, this type of advocation is ultimately destructive. So that said, just wanted to kind of put this on your radar that sometimes the people that present themselves as supporting black boys are actually doing more harm. And we need to challenge this culture, right? That lacks accountability in my assessment. Now, getting past that one, you can check that out. Like I said, yourself, smartnews.com. If it's something you're interested, interested in, uh, feel free to do so. This one I'm hoping will play. Let me see. I don't know if I've tried to do it this way before. Now, this is another public service announcement. And I'm going to keep these brief because I just wanted to go through a couple of these just real quick uh, to, so we can get to the main point of tonight. I got a few things going on tonight, so we're gonna I'm going to try and get to the point pretty quickly so we can have the discussion I think we need to have. But this is something that was sent to me, and I had to address it. Um, I'm hoping the sound comes through so y'all know. After my experiences uh, in the past, I like to test it, and make sure the sound comes through. So um, give, I'm going to play a, just a quick second of it. Give me a one in the chat if you can hear it. Here we go. There we go. Okay. Could you guys hear that at all? Let's see if I can get a, give me a zero if you couldn't hear it. Give me a one if you did. moving slow there we go a whole bunch of ones came through all right so y'all check this out and i'll give you i'll tell you why i'm sharing this with you in a second here we go This is crazy. 
water and shit. That's crazy. Oh, nah, that wasn't no skip. That wasn't no skip. All right. I could give you a number of relevant statistics and, you know, kind of point out some things here or there and back up, back them with some scholarship. But that's that's not why I presented this tonight. A lot of the brothers that reach out to me on a weekly basis communicate on one level or another their exhaustion, most particularly in relationships. And y'all know I don't I'm, this is not a relationship channel. I don't have relationship advice to give on how to pull women or what countries to travel to. That's not my lane. Plenty of people on YouTube to do that. But one of the things I do talk about is. How do I put this? A desire on my part to impress upon you that your life is worth more than this bullshit. Your peace of mind is worth more than this. You are worth more than this. If you find yourself in these kinds of situations, and I have been there, trust me, I have actually looked up and realized that I am living in a damn meme. I'm living in a video that you, sh you see on TikTok. I've been there before, fellas. It's not worth it. Your peace of mind is more important than any of this. Let this go. I implore you, if you find yourself in this situation, it's not worth your peace of mind. It's not worth the stress. If you have someone that really does not care about you to the extent that this is how they engage you, please reconsider the nature of why you're with this person. This kind of shit is so frequent Yo, what's up, Officer Faulkner? Good to see you in here. You know, I just really, uh, Barry, Sun God, what's going on? I just really want to kind of put this on the front table because these are the kind of situations that many of the brothers that reach out to me communicate on one level or another. And it's particularly difficult if you're already in a vulnerable state or you're going through a lot of stress, you're carrying a heavy load. You'll find that some people like this like to make the load heavier. They like to kick you when you're down. And if they can get a reaction out of you, they enjoy it. Even to the extent of, you know, sending you to jail if you snap. Look, don't take the bait. It's not worth it. I don't have anything else to say about that. I'm not going to go into a long diatribe. Like I said, I'm not going to bring you a bunch of data. And I could. We could talk about, you know, bidirectionality in terms of uh, abuse, uh, both psychological and physical. We could go there, but that's not the point. The point is, if you find yourself here, you need to value yourself enough to walk away from this kind of shit. I really hope that you will do so because life is really too short for this, especially for black men who tend to have the lowest life expectancies. And people aren't going to tell you stuff like this is, plays into that. So I implore you to please reconsider the choices you've made. If this is something, you know, you want to continue to live and you know pay attention to what that's going to do to you it's not worth it officer faulkner uh says 68 percent of domestic violence in the black community the woman is usually the aggressor <laughs> that's not the part that makes the story the part that makes the story is when you snap 
So, so when, when people talk about what happened, they don't start with what you saw in the video. They start with the point where you snapped. And, and even in a court case, that's where it goes. In, pub, in the court of public opinion, that's where it goes. He just snapped. He just came in the room and snapped. That's how the story starts. You're not going to see any of this prelude that, that you know, led up to it. So save yourself some stress. Reconsider your life choices. Reconsider your sense of self-value. I implore you. And I'm going to promise you by telling you that your peace of mind is worth more than the stress of putting up with this, this stuff. So, like I said, just public service announcement. Wasn't going to go too deep into that. But, yo, sometimes we need to hear it from someone else. And if you feel inclined to share something, eh, that's usually because you're supposed to. So, shout out to Mr. Maxwell for the support. Again, like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Hope you will. Um, what's up, Kiel? You know, hope you're well. All right. So I have. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about Islam. And you guys know I don't really deal with religion a lot per se because black men, you know, the goal of my channel, the goal of much of my work is to bring black men together and to actually figure out what it is we have in common that we can actually advocate for in terms of everything from politics to our daily social lives. But this was a whole different kind of thing. We're not dealing so much with a theological issue tonight. It's really more of a question uh, of how religion in, in, in America in particular has changed in regard to feminism. Now, let me kind of give some qualification to this and I'll bring my guest up in a moment. Um, a couple of years ago, Kevin Samuels did a video. And to me, it was one of my favorites. It still is to this day, one of my favorites of his where he talked about feminism and Christianity. He talked about how it made its way into Christianity through various kinds of streams, most particularly prosperity gospel. He talked about the change in Christian women, and he talked about the, 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 the kind of exodus of Christian men from the church. A lot of it having to, having to do with this kind of impending, encroaching Christianity. I mean, uh, feminism and Christianity. And I thought it was an important discussion because it's one of those things that happens that, that we don't talk explicitly enough about. And I remember when I shared that particular video with my father, who was a retired pastor, he said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I said, well, if it's oh, yeah, why didn't you tell me about this before? Like I was hot because, it, you know, it was one of those things that everybody knew about. But for some reason, at least in the circles I ran in, I didn't hear a lot about. And I wondered to what extent. Feminism also plays a role in the changing cultures of other religions from Islam. And of course, we can talk about it in terms of nation. We can talk about it, nation of Islam. We can talk about it in terms of Orthodox Islam. We can talk about it in terms of, and, and I'm not limiting it to Islam because later on, I'm going to bring some people up and, and, and I only have one guest tonight that's scheduled. You know, the rest is organic. So if you have something to share, I hope you'll stay on long enough to come on up. But I want to bring people in and I want to talk about, um, you know, the, the shifts in culture, most particularly in relation to feminism, that may have influenced other religious practices, non-Christian non Black practices. Because I think Kevin put enough on the table for Christianity as far as that, so for we, we could have an, a discussion. But what about, you know, other practices? Is there feminism in, uh, you know, that Hebrew Israelites are dealing with? You know, um, you know, and we can go down the list. I mean, I don't I don't care if we even even dealing with comedic spirituality. I don't care if we're dealing with uh, Ifa, Yoruba practices. I want to know 
is there a shift in the culture of these practices in the black community in regard to feminism? So my guest tonight, who I will bring up and I will uh, kind of have him introduce himself, um, is somebody that reached out to me about this a little while ago. And he shared some of his experiences. And I thought, you know what, this is the perfect opportunity to put the question on the table. It's not something I'm going to be you know, lecturing about. It's really a conversation that I want to invite people to have who are in the know, who have experiences to bring to bear on this topic. Um, so let me go ahead and bring them up. How you doing, bro? How you doing, bro? You hear me good? I can hear you good. All hear right. Me. So let me welcome you, uh, Merchant Traveler, to the Onyx Report. Appreciate you coming up, man. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. And uh, let's 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 kind of start with a little bit about yourself. Can you introduce yourself to the to the folks here and tell us, you know, who you are and 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 what we should know about you? Okay, um, I'm Merchant Traveler. I'm a second generation Muslim. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, the traveler part is back in 2011. Um, I went to go study, you know, Islam in Egypt. And I was in Egypt for about a year and a half. And I traveled extensively through the, the Arab and the African world to a couple of different Arab countries, African countries, Senegal, Gambia, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. So, you know, I have experience dealing with Islam in the black community and also dealing with Islam abroad. Okay. Okay. Um Beautiful. So second generation, you actually went and studied abroad. I don't hear that often. Uh, most of most of the brothers I know who, who've come into Islam, you know, came into it, you know, here in the U.S. Yeah. And, and pretty much and primarily studied here. I myself was born into Islam. My father was a Muslim and my grandfather was an imam in Brooklyn. I was yeah. born in Brooklyn. Yeah. So had I not moved, I might have met you uh, growing up out there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, my father was a Panther. He was a Muslim. He later converted yeah. to Christianity when I was a kid. Mm. And then I came back to Islam at like 16. Wow. But, you know, I was living in the Bay Area and I was trying to get access to it yeah. through, you know, these kind of distant means. I wish I was still in Brooklyn where I could have yeah. got it in a very different way. But anyway, that aside, um, why did this topic kind of hit you like what what about it made you reach out and say you know doc i want to holler at you about this so you know i'm born and raised muslim and you know i've been watching your show for years and i know the topics you did you you discuss so i remember i even remember the the what what, what kevin was saying about feminism in mm. the uh, christian community and mm -hmm. i remember even kevin had a caller with a you know a call with a muslim woman and she was talking about you know in islam they have a thing where um you supposed to have a guardian and he gives you a way in marriage okay so i believe kevin was disagreeing with you he was like i don't agree i don't i think your father is supposed to have control of that you understand mm -hmm. I, I remember this show it might be a little cloudy, but I remember, and, and I'm and I'm listening to the show, and I'm like, exactly. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, I, I, I made a statement to you that, you know, there was a statement I heard that when a person is usually used to taking the back door, mm -hmm. even if you give him the front door, he's going to find his way to the back. Okay. You understand? 
So mm -hmm. what happens, even though Islam and its texts and the way it's practiced in a lot of countries is pa very patriarchal, mm -hmm. but the way it translates in our community, it it immediately the women are pushed forward and favored over the men. Okay. You know. Okay. So now tell us a little bit about how you believe that came to be. What have you, you know, what, what have you, you know, kind of run across that helped explain this for you? Well, um, all right. So let me give some back historical background as far as me as an African-American. Mm -hmm. So what happened in, uh, when, when Elijah Muhammad died in 1975, he, uh, his son took, uh, uh, took over the nation of Islam. Mm -hmm. And his son name was Warfdin Muhammad. And Warfdin Muhammad abolished, you know, the, the beliefs of the nation of Islam and brought them into Orthodox Islam. Mm -hmm. But even though he brought them into, he brought, you know, the, most, the black community into Orthodox Islam, he still wanted an Islam that was black American. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. He didn't fully embrace like you know um some of the philosophies that they had in the muslim world mm -hmm. and okay. a lot of um african americans broke off from iman warfi muhammad started maybe to get into sufism or okay. other you know interpretations of islam from mm -hmm. the muslim world but even you know and then you also though, had you also had farrakhan Kind of reintroducing yes. this nation of Islam framework yes. right around the same time. So in the black community, we have multiple parallels. Yes, of, of Islam. Islam. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. So with even with Farrakhan's movement and what they followed in the nation of Islam was more Bible orientated. Okay. And and with uh Warif D. Muhammad, yes, it was Orthodox Islam but they still were strong to black culture. Mm. So in black culture, we don't, a lot of people, they don't, they didn't want to really separate women the way, you know, in Islam, men and women are supposed to be separate. Okay. Like in the mosque and things of that nature, as far as sitting and mingling with each other. Okay. Also like with Islam, when you get married, a man is the, the, a woman is supposed to have a guardian to give her away. And he's, and the man is supposed to give a woman a dowry. You ever heard of a dowry? Yes, sir. When you get married, it's, it's called a mahar. So what happened in the black community with those things, right? We know that we're a female, uh, uh, we're a female led culture. So what happens with the marriage, the whole thing with the marriage, a lot of women, they will put their their mahar, their diary, very high when you try to get married, right? Okay. And a lot of times they will make it so high that, like you know, like suitors who wanted to get married, like, no, you got to give me twenty Gs. You understand what I'm saying? Damn. Like really okay. ridiculous amounts. Okay. And what would, what would happen too with the Wali situation? See, the Wali, the person that gives away is a father. You know, our community, fathers and our family kinship doesn't is usually not that type. Or the woman is a convert, so she will go to the, the administration mm. to be the person that gives her away. Okay. So 
what would happen with that masjid? Yeah, they would be the the, the woman's guardian. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of times a brother might find a woman because we can marry in Islam. You can marry a non-Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. So what would happen is you would marry the woman, and she might not even be Muslim, but once you break bad with her, she runs to the masjid. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? To complain about you. Okay. Right? And they will run to the, the community to tell them what you doing, what you ain't doing. You mm-hmm. understand? Okay. So then, you know, that will be that will be the in-between between you and them. And then they then, you know, she could try to ask for a divorce. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And what happens with when it becomes between you and another man, a lot of time another man is going to be like, oh, what he doing? You understand what I'm saying? Okay. That's how we have a lot of, you know, black men between each other. We have a lot of uh, violence and a lot of issues that take place. You know, even sometimes with your own sisters or whatever, mm-hmm. is them complaining about, you know, what, what you're doing, what you're not doing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so mm-hmm. talk a little bit about this issue with, uh, you know, the change. In, and I don't know if you're presenting it as a change or if you're saying it was always there or both. Mm-hmm. If it was always there and it, it enhanced in terms of this kind of feminist idea, what did you notice about, you know, uh, you know, the, the, even how women are presented, how they're interpreted, how they act in Islam? You know, what is it that you saw that led you to, you know, really look at this question of feminism in Islam? So what happened with me is that, you know, I have uh, I have a, a, a mother who was always who came into the religion on her own, who was always sincere. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I got out into the world, you know, I could you could say I was blue pill mm. and me being very religious at a young age. I was kind of projecting who I was. And what I expected coming from my mother and my sisters on other women, you understand? So what happened, what I realized and realizing with the community and what was really going on as I got older was that a lot of people were really in the religion and doing things with ulterior motives. It wasn't about spirituality. It wasn't about the religion, you know, certain women, just wanted came into the community because they wanted a, a Muslim guy because they figure a Muslim guy is going to take care of them, oh. or they had some type of relationship with a guy who went upstate and became Muslim or something like that. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. It wasn't, and then you know, also I lived in places like Philadelphia. You understand? Huge Muslim community. Philadelphia yeah. has a very big Muslim community. But you, what you'll find in Philly, coming from New York, if you're in Brooklyn and you're a Muslim, mm-hmm. you're a Muslim because you about that life, okay. nine times out of ten. But what I found in Philly is you'll go to Philly and on the street, the dope boys Muslim, the mm-hmm. pimp is Muslim, everybody's Muslim. So if you're green and you going over there, you like whoa, you understand? Okay. So a lot of these people, 
had different motives from where I was coming from. So you'll find a, a, a sister, oh, she's covered up and all that. Okay. But you a good brother in the masjid. She's waiting on her her dope boy to come out of jail or something. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, okay. it's like a whole different, it, that's what I had to come where I became red pill, as you would say. Okay. You know, that a lot of people, their their reason for this is something totally different from mm-hmm. where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're, and what happens with the community too, if you're, and this happened, I think this happens all through the black community. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a brother in the church and like a lot of brothers in the church have complained like they say okay if you don't have the if you're not the preacher you know you don't have a white collar you know you're not on the board or whatever they have a deacon or something like that Mm -hmm. you're invisible oh okay okay so that's the same dynamic if you're not the imam in the muslim community or so-and-so you just a, a lone decent brother and you ain't balling they're not trying to hear that. You understand what I'm saying? Like I said, mm-hmm. they, what they did with the diary. You okay. know, sisters got diaries that's that's two, that's 10 G's, 20 G's and stuff. And then see what another thing I learned about what a lot of women would do. When they're young and hot, they run in the streets. They're not covered up. Okay. When they when they fall off, oh, let me fall back and go to the masjid and find a good brother. When I got five kids, but still, I went there twenty G's. Wow! And look, another thing that goes into Islam is that it says Men are the maintainers and the providers of women. That's a mm-hmm. verse they love. That verse, mm-hmm. and the verse is really saying men are in charge. They don't want to take that slant of it, but. They- <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, they got listen, the sisterhood got a whole philosophy Mm. waiting for you with any religion. Uh So what happens is when it says, you know, they take the whole thing, you gotta pay this extreme diary, Mm. right? You, you have to work and take care of her. Her money is hers, right? <laughs> but your money is hers also. You understand? Your money is hers also. Yes, sir. Yes, they sir. even found stuff from the prophet's life where it says, there's an incident, the prophet would cook and clean, would clean and help out now. Say, like, see, you got to do everything and I ain't got to do nothing. Oh, Oh, <laughs> and you know it don't work like that overseas at all. Mm. Talk about <laughs> yeah. that. Talk about that because I think that's an interesting component. Because, like I said before, most of the brothers I met, you know, they were either born in Islam here or converted here, yeah. and maybe even in prison, like you you were kind of referring to a little earlier. But you studied abroad, so talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the cultural differences in the practice of Islam in terms of manhood womanhood so on and so forth oh man it's night and day it really hit me over there and those cultures you would see a little arab boy driving a bus Mm. um where where they would have gatherings with the men you know they would bring the boys in sometime they'll have the boy get on the speaker and recite poetry 
Okay. Little boys and male children is very much valued in most of those cultures. Okay. And one thing I've seen in the Arab world, a lot of times if you see little Arab boys, they are always bad. Okay. Because in their culture, their boys get much more freedom. You know, you'll see a 10-year-old smoking a cigarette over there, like nothing. So I thought about the contrast on how they raise, they treat every little boy like a man over there and Mm. how much black boys are scorned, beaten, stopped. You understand? Well, listen, you know what? Actually, let's stick with that for a second. Tell me what you noticed about the relationship between the boys and their mothers. And then tell me a little bit about the relationship between husbands and wives in Islam abroad. I'm talking cultural because, yeah. 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 So what happens too, there's even a TikTok meme that I could share where the mothers value the boys even over the girls. Okay. In that culture. Okay. You know, their son, man, you know, that's a big thing in that culture. And I was even... In pre-Islamic Arabia, they used to bury their their daughters. Okay. You know, Islam came to abolish that, though. But that's how much value a male child had in those cultures, even in China. Okay. You know, male male is your heir, you know? That's the person you give your last name to. Right. You know? We're familiar with the dynamic between boys and, and mothers here in America, particularly in the black community, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're familiar with the dynamic here. Is it, it, How different is it with, with um, you know, boys and their mothers in, in the country? Because you're talking about Egypt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how different was that? Are the boys in a position of authority or the boys following the directives of their mothers the way black boys do here? What's the difference? Totally different, man. It's kind of like, a, a role reversal here. The way the women are here, the boys are in that culture. I remember when I was on a train, I was going down to the south to Aswan, and I saw a little boy jumping up, cursing, yelling, and the parents were like, ha, ha, ha. The little girl tried to come up behind her, and they said, stop, stop. I was like, wow. Okay. You understand? So that's kind of the dynamic they have there. So they're considered they're considered men very early on. Yes. Okay. And they they really love and value their boys. But mm. one thing I'm gonna say going back to the relationships uh issue, um the difference over there in those in those in a lot of Arab countries, like divorce is looked down on. I remember having a conversation with one uh Egyptian there, and he was like yeah, my, um, my, uh, well, I think it was his cousin. Her husband would beat her. He was on drugs. And I said, why don't she just get a divorce? He said, no, no, we can never do that. Mm, okay. That's, this, that's a, 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 what they say, but that's like a, 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 a thing that's shunned upon in their culture. Whereas, like in our community here, Mm-hmm. The imam would have told her a long time. They would have sent some brothers to her house mm-hmm. to get that dude out of there. Mm-hmm. But in their culture, no, you got to keep the family together. You got to deal with him, even mm-hmm. if some of their men will go to jail for for years. Okay, and the woman will stay by, by, by you know, stay with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big deal 
they don't do divorce. You okay. know what I mean? In a lot of those countries, in, in those cultures. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about um, some of your experiences with uh, this kind of feminism in Islam. What, what what are some stories that you remember that really kind of just made you pause? I remember a brother told me a story that he went to approach uh, this woman about her daughter. I mean, this 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 uh, girl, you know, about who her Wali was. That's something that we you would do when you seeking marriage. You would ask them who's their Wali, Wali, which you supposed to be their father or guardian. And the mother was there. She said, I'm the Wali. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she said, I'm the Wali. I'm like, you know, the woman can't be the guardian, but okay. that's how our culture works, you know? And I've even had experiences myself with, you know, a lot of stuff immediately, if you go to the masjid in between, you know, the imam or whatever whatever figure they have is you versus another man coming into your personal business and coming into your home and okay. telling you about your, you understand, telling you about your relationship and what you should do. And we know a lot of black men, we got a lot of ego, you know, and sometime in these religious positions, a lot of brothers want all the women to themselves. And if you're a you're a lone brother just doing the right thing. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. What usually happens is, oh, nah, what he doing? What he doing? Mm -hmm. You need to get away from him and get with, with my boy over here. Mm -hmm. That's what usually happens. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, it, um, I had a colleague of mine who was actually raised in the nation. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's uh, he's almost 60. So this would have been Oh, goodness. This would have been, so yeah, he was born in, in around 1960. So we're talking early 70s. He, he would tell me stories about, um, you know, how his father had multiple wives, you know, and they kind of had this dynamic in place. And, you know, there was, of course, the expectation that he'd be able to support all the households. And then he would say there was just this kind of point where it all kind of broke apart fell apart and you know there was all kinds of separation and hatred and frustration back and forth and he would always be kind of you know uh hesitant about the details but one of the things he talked a lot about was the use of uh, the family court system as yeah. a mode as a as a method of you know almost revenge it wasn't so much oh, yeah. about survival but about revenge about getting back at these men and so on and so forth so he would talk about it from those angles and it was interesting to kind of you know see how you know, even though you have this practice, this is happening in the nation at a particular time period, like mm -hmm. we're talking 60s and 70s, not necessarily the same thing as 2022, but you mm -hmm. still see this use of, you know, institutions to, you know, to kind of, you know, put forth her will in a very particular context. Now, this is something we see in the black community. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us, when we're introduced to Islam and many of us who, you know, mm -hmm. you didn't grow up in it, you were introduced well, in my generation, you were kind of introduced through someone like Malcolm. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? That was the introductory point for a lot of the brothers that I knew who didn't grow up in Islam. Yeah. And it's it's presented a certain way. It's attractive. Hell, I'm, I remember Pastor, I think his name, Jamal Bryant, um, mm. you know, would talk about in the 90s and early 2000s, he would talk about how many men, he would do this in a lot of his sermons. He would mm -hmm. talk about how many black men were leaving the church and going to, into Islam. He yeah. would give these little reports at the beginning of his sermons 
about how many black men and you know you know whether or not i think there was one sermon i did hear him give where he said now there's officially more black men practicing islam than christianity he would give these little reports to kind of talk about that time it was pretty big but you still had this kind of you know pushback under the table with institutions and i think that's where i'm getting at when when i talk about feminism uh you you have an ongoing practice of the gynocracy in the black community but it's Mm -hmm. emboldened by these institutions whether it's the family court whether it's using law enforcement to make husbands and boyfriends and so on and so forth act a certain way they're just the use of institutions yeah those will have you seen any of that in your experience well what's funny um what will happen is a lot of times they will use the religion when it works for them right okay. okay so when that don't work like i know a lot of brothers you know what it says really in islam is the man is supposed to have the children if the woman gets a divorce mm-hmm. right okay but Wow, you ain't gonna see that happen over here. <laughs> not, right, they're not giving you your kids, mm-hmm. which, which actually was a practice in Europe. It was a practice for a mm-hmm. while, and by the time you know we get to the tender years doctrine, we get the switch to where mothers are the ones that have the authority over the children. Yeah, People, I think underestimate what impact that has on the family and what that actually means. So for you to say that this is a practice in Islam, but it's kind of reversed in America due to what? The family court system? Yeah, yeah, you could say a lot of stuff, but, Mm. you know, at the end of the day, y'all too, even with the marriage system, like there's an Islamic marriage and then there's the government marriage. Mm. You know, that's outside of that. So if you didn't do the Islamic marriage along with the government, according to this government, it ain't real. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what happens is, okay, yeah, we Muslim and it's one of the women just like, I don't want to do this no more. And I've seen that. There'd be a brother. Some brothers had their woman win the whole thing. Right. She just got to a point or something that happened. I'll take all that off. I know some brothers, their wives left them and they became gay and got their kids looking at another woman. Okay. You know, so... Um, it, it, it only goes as far as they allow it to. You wow. know what I'm saying? Okay. According to the, you know, according to this country, the laws and things of that nature. Just so like what? I was telling you, there was some American brothers that took their wives overseas. Talk I'm about being, that. How did that go? <laughs> once they see that patriarchal society, once they got to squat down to use the bathroom and mm. it ain't glamour life over there, mm. they out. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. So, so yeah, just I'm, like we was talking about, we seen a lot of them women going to Ghana mm, and they yeah. like, ah, screw this. I, I like, you know, I can't be sassy and getting people face and fighting. Yeah. Not going about to me. I'm out. I'm going to go back to where I'm comfortable at. Wow. Yeah. Tell, talk a little bit about uh, what, what other brothers who, you know, are, are, are in Islam, how, how are they dealing with it? What kind of conversations are you having with them about their experiences with this whole question? Well, I had missed one thing is that we, one thing that I learned is that you find the women on your own. Once okay. they're already in the community, like women have a way of 
like infecting each other. Okay. So a lot of time, the women, the Muslim women that's already in the community, they already got her trained in how to respond and what to ask for. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So you'll be better just finding a woman in the street and getting her on your program. Because okay. if she's already in the community, she's on a community's program. Mm. If you understand what I'm saying. Okay. See, you if you go in a community and a community is met is is following behind Imam so and so, she's on his that's his woman. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Okay. And you gotta be a man and make, you know. But, and, and what's going to happen is she's going to sh- go back to that community and try to shame you and control you through that community. Mm-hmm. You know, just as just as it works in the church. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just the way, the same way it works in the church. Mm. So you'll you'll do better to find your own woman. And a lot of brothers I know married women from other countries. Even my father married another a woman from another country. What are the what are the kind of countries you're seeing uh, brothers marrying women from? Well, back in the days, for a long time, brothers was talking about Morocco. That was the one a- Arab country that would let you marry their woman. Okay. So a lot of brothers was talking about Morocco. They would get a Mor- Moroccan right wife. Some brothers couldn't even pronounce Morocco. So I'm going to Morocco. <laughs> he couldn't even pronounce Morocco. So I'm going to Morocco. So, you know, that was one thing, um, you know, African countries sometimes. But the one thing, man, we we as brothers, we need to get together on on code with each other because we all we got. Okay. You know, you know, know, some of these countries, they don't want you really. They're not going to give you the cream of the crop of their women. And, you know, they don't people are tribal everywhere, you Mm. know. So we we gotta really be, we gotta have a a, a a network, you know what I'm saying, of brothers and work with each other, you know. Um, yeah. So like I said, a lot of countries, African countries, you know, um, but in the Middle East, they're very strong about their blood, their bloodline. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People ain't just letting you deal with their women like that. Mm-hmm. But money, money is a big factor, though, too. If you got money, things can happen. Yeah, I've met a couple of Orthodox brothers that had wives from, you know, other countries and the dowry is real. Yes. Um, but it's not a one time thing. I mean, I've I met, you know, brothers who were talking about how they had to make ongoing permanent payments yes. for family in other countries. Can you talk a little bit about about what you've seen in terms of that? That's one thing why I didn't really kind of want to do it over there because, and this these things are cultural more than it's based on the Islamic text. So I want to clarify that too. Mm, okay. A lot of this stuff is cultural. Um, yeah, if you dealing with them, you be dealing with their whole family. And if you're American, they're going to see you as a come up too. Mm-hmm. So you be taking care of the whole family. I remember... They was telling me about what I needed, what you needed to marry a, a woman. I, Egypt is a poor country, but, you know, house, the diary, you know, taking care of a lot of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big thing, too. Right. Right. Yeah. I've, had, I've, I've known brothers who that's that's actually 
been a difficult point for some brothers over time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you where you know because we're not raised in a culture where that you know that's really patriarchal in that sense. So getting used to that patriarchal framework, and then as you say, being the American, being perceived as the one with the money, you know, mm-hmm. being responsible for a whole nother family and a whole nother culture, and yeah. getting used to that—that's a challenge, is it not? Yeah, and then you have to deal with their fathers and their brothers. That's 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 mainly who you be talking to too. And these coaches still got virgins. <laughs> still got virgins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and that's another thing I want to talk to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing I still want to talk about. There, <laughs> those men have standards for their women. I talked to them. They said, "I would never marry a woman with children." Mm. women that are over 25 have a hard time getting married. <laughs> There's some women that just be leftover women in those right. cultures. And yeah. it's, not, it's not a surprising or shocking thing in those cultures. Nope. And then I, another thing I see, you'll see broke, dirty, cigarette mouth dudes, and they got a wife that's forever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. That's down for them. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, and they got their wife untouched. Okay, you know okay. that's a big deal too. Virginity, yeah. sexual purity, yeah, yeah. yeah. purity. There's, there's been a whole conversation. It's been ongoing, but in this last week, I've heard a lot about this whole question of how many bodies a woman a woman has, and yeah. how men should receive it and interpret that. But you're saying uh, in other cultures, there's a whole different outlook on this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they they not with that man, you know. And, and, and like I said, there's value for men and for masculinity. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. You know they they don't a woman that that's been around or that's loose and stuff like that. That's why the diary thing is there because mm-hmm. it's a it's like a value. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then the idea of getting married is somebody you're gonna be with for the rest of your life and you're going to spread your you're going to give your children your last name okay you know certain people in those cultures could recite their fathers all for thousands years back Mm. they mention and they talk about their fathers Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you know what their father did you know lineage is a big thing in those cultures too okay you know the tribal systems, lineage. You know, I'm I'm Anna Eben. You know, I'm the son of so and so. You know what I mean? It, and okay, go ahead, finish, finish your statement. Yeah, that gives power. That keeps your culture in line. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing who your father. My father was a merchant. Mm-hmm. My father's a. You know what I mean? He did what I do. He was an entrepreneur. Okay. You know, and I and you know my mother hears me. And stuff, they'd be like, "You sound just like your father," you know. Okay. So that's a big thing in a lot of these cultures. That's something we lost. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Tell me this: Are you seeing uh, Muslim women from America, uh, from the black community in America, to be particular, going to other countries and marrying Muslim men from other countries? My sister married. Uh, both of my sisters are married to Africans. Okay. Okay. Because Africa is a very large Muslim, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, so 
Yeah, I've seen actually some decent marriages between, you know, some black women and, and some Africans. Yeah. I think they take a little different respect to African men compared to black men sometimes. Like so they expect different things. So you've seen your sisters act differently with their African husbands than with African-American men they were with? I got one sister that made a statement. See, I had to get an African man because y'all, he wasn't cutting. Yeah, I wasn't cutting it. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's an interesting thing. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, I've, you know, there's a couple, sometimes when they get older, certain sisters, when they got older, they know they could do the African thing. And I had a lot of Africans ask me when I was over there, oh, I'm going to get, get an American woman. Because, you know, a lot of Africans do a lot of scams, a lot of slick stuff to get green cards, too. Okay. That's okay. another That's another part of the, the coin also. Okay. You know, okay. The green well, card. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let me see. Uh, I want to bring some people on soon, or at least I'm going to put the invitation out there. And I want to let you guys know, uh, you know, we're not, I'm not really looking to have a panel where there's a lot of theological debate. That's not the... The focus of the conversation, the focus of the conversation is whether or not um, Islam and feminism has kind of penetrated uh, Islam. And and I I will invite those who are practicing other non-Christian, you know, practices in the black community. Again, I don't care if it's comedic spirituality, if it's Ifa, if it's uh, Hebrew Israelite, if it's more more science. I'm, I'm opening it up because I'm curious to know just how this, you know, how expansive this feminism thing is, because much like what Merchant Traveler brought up earlier, it's not just, you know, a feminism that you watched on TV or you heard about. You have a couple of elements of it. You have it come being passed down, most particularly from the women. And we know in the black community here, most of our households are led by single mothers. So there's that dynamic, but it's also bolstered by institutions, right? And that that helps to carry on and embellish on a particular ideology more so than if it was just within one family line. So there are elements to this. And I'm curious about the kind of intersection between feminism as it's practiced in America via these institutions and even college, right? Which is where we see a lot of these ideologies being passed into and then in in Islam and other non-Christian orientations in the black community. I'm curious about whether or not that's happening and how it's happening if it is in a number of different places. But Anything else you want to give us on your experiences and on this question of feminism and Islam? Well, one point I want to make, too, is that there's a lot of um, foreigners now coming into the West and they're becoming educated and they're getting indoctrinated with feminine, you know, mentality. So that might be something new that's starting to creep in, you know, into the Muslim world and into the foreign community, you know. Me coming up over here back in the 80s and 90s, most of the Muslims I knew were African-American. Mm-hmm. Now, but after with immigration, most of the pe- most of the places you're seeing is all a lot of... And 9-11 was uh, a different dynamic too. Okay. Before, Islam was like a black thing before 9-11. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When I was younger, you know, it was like all African-Americans and then, you know, immigration came. But... We're gonna we see a lot of foreigners coming over here and they daughters might be going to, to, to college 
and we seeing I'm seeing some conversation there they're starting to have with mm-hmm. feminism, you know. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to our community, we've been egalitarian and and, and feminist right. for, for a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way that was the regular order, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the invite in the chat. Um, I'm going to say that I want to keep things respectful and I want to make sure that the focus stays on the subject of the conversation, you know, making sure we're kind of looking at this question of feminism as it relates to, you know, the various uh, uh, religion or spiritual practices I brought up. Um, but yeah, let's keep it respectful. And if you're interested in coming on up, come on up and do so and add to this conversation. Have you had experiences or have you witnessed things that kind of let us know where the pulse is in regard to where feminism is and religion? We got, uh, let me see, Akialis Crown. Akialis, can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, Doc? Yeah, we can hear you. Uh, Did I pronounce that right? It's actually, it's actually Oculus. Oculus. My bad. Nah, that's cool, Doc. I appreciate it. Uh, go ahead and, and 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 weigh in on this. What is it you've seen? Well, as you probably saw in the the snippet that I sent you yesterday, um, you know, being an Israelite, I found that this feminism is also uh-huh. I don't know if it's commonplace, but I would definitely say that it's noticeable. Mm. Um, and and not just limited to the women. Um, I even found where brothers like just taking conversations surrounding child support, for example or domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, even amongst Israelites, there's this, this chivalry that you, you talk about frequently in your videos that's found even amongst brothers there. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you'll have an example, one brother he was talking about, one brother on the street was asking an Israelite, hey, you know, what about child support? And the uh, the orator at the time was saying that well, it you know it you know basically it doesn't really matter because at least the kid, the money is going to the children. Okay. Well, I had a problem with that because first of all, you know, frankly, where the hell is that in the law? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Israelites are really you know I wouldn't say they're big on Torah. I, I if you ask me, a lot of Israelites are more Christians, but they're Torah observant Christians. Okay. Um. So i'll say it like this as far as the the feminism that can be found amongst israelites i will put a lot of blame on brethren because brothers frankly aren't checking that shit okay and you know and with this idea of chivalry i mean if you're going to hold that position and be tour observant you know it's going to be kind of a contradiction you know at least as far as how you deal with your membership because you're going to penalize the men but then you're going to kind of give a, a pop on the hand to the sisters. But I'll uh, sit back and just hear what well, everyone I, has I to say. I wanted to give some clarity. When you talked about the video he sent me, yeah, you sent me, what, what he sent me the other day was this conversation. Uh, it was a YouTube video and it was, uh, it was some Hebrew Israelite women, right? That were talking about the death of Kevin Samuels, right? That's correct. Yeah. So they were, they were, you know, could you give them a little, just so people understand what, what you meant by that. What uh, what were they talking about? Well, I kind of walked in in the middle of the conversation. It was between a brother and a sister. And you know how it can be between black folk. It can get kind of chaotic. So you got to pick through the noise to try to figure out what's going on. Right. But ultimately, the sister was arguing that basically God had put 
Kevin Samuels to death because, you know, how he came at or came against black women. Mm-hmm. And I, I laughed at it because I thought, well, Kevin Samuels didn't really have to do a lot of talking and watching his shows. A lot of it was women calling in, telling their stories about how to get a man, this and that. Mm-hmm. And so if anything, it more so exposed the spirit in which sisters are in right now in America. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, as I told you in the, you know, the messenger, you know, I'm calling it theological misandry, kind yeah. of this Bible based. Yeah. Uh, idea of, I guess, God having sort of a, a leaning or a preference for women and men's failure to provide that protection um, that they're called to present to women. And I, I just don't quite find that to be the case in my studies. Um, there is a responsibility, of course, that you have when it comes to taking care of your wives, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if we're going to capitalize on this idea that Black men in particular, who, if you watch Hebrew Israelites, a lot of them are so-called black men, are not taking care of their wives. Number one, that's ludicrous. And number two, uh, with this 80 percent divorce rate from women, I I don't see how the hell that's the case. Mm. That men, black men especially, who what is like 30, 40 percent of black men are actually even married. Mm hmm. How how the hell is it that they're not taking care of their wives and putting away their wives and then have Israelite camps and, uh, you know, smaller sectors or whatever, you know, making these same accusations? That tells me that the, the leadership and the people espousing these things are either uninformed or disingenuous. OK, OK, appreciate that. Um, let me see. I don't remember the order people came in. Uh, a, B. I want to contribute to this. I'm going to I'm going to ask everybody else to mute your mic until you until you uh, are brought into the conversation because we're getting a lot of background noise. But A.B., why don't you weigh in on on this? What do we what what, what would you what do you want to add to this? Um, There's okay. there's definitely uh, misandry that has uh, infiltrated. not just Muslim, but definitely, definitely Christian religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still in the church, and I can tell you, uh, I just found out a brother I knew in the church married over ten years. Uh, we we kind of separated because of COVID, you know, COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. I just found out he got a divorce from his wife, and has moved back to Texas. Okay. Okay. So the. Uh, and to give you some context, um, she was she always tried to be. I knew I knew his wife was all, always tried to be married. She she had been married before, but got divorced. But um, her mother and her uh, younger sister are single. Mm. And to okay. a degree, I think that dy- dynamic might have some, something to do with it. Okay. Okay. But um, there's definitely. Uh, Misandry and misandry is on the rise in religion. You, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your statement. I think misandry is definitely on the rise in religion. Um, this is not necessarily my church, but I know it's in a lot of these churches. It's uh, the women are, are overly rely on what the preacher is thinking instead of what their husband thinks. Okay. Okay. This is not necessarily in my church because um, his wife just ain't gonna have it. His wife ain't having it. I'm telling you. Okay. But uh, 
But I know I noticed I noticed that dynamic. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you no, saying? Go ahead. I want to. I'm going to bring in uh, uh, bitter truth. I'm just going to go on the, on the order on the screen. Uh, bitter truth. Uh, go ahead and add to this. Uh, tell us what what you you know what you can weigh in on. Okay. Um, I'm going to say something very controversial right now. And don't don't get my channel because taken down now. I'm not. I'm not. But. When the guy said that there were a bunch of Muslim women saying that God put Kevin Samuel to death for saying the very things that Farrakhan has been saying, Malcolm X has been saying, Elijah Muhammad's been saying ever since they had a mic put in in front of their faces. That lets you know. I put it like this. It proves my point that when it comes to black people, but mainly black women, because there's always the government teeth as a fail safe to fall back on. Mm-hmm. If things don't work out between them and a man or even a woman, is that the black American has always, always looked to replace one slave master with another in a religious sense. First, I mean, if you don't want to worship white Jesus, that's fine. That's fine. So you replace white Jesus with with Muhammad, but yet you still hold on to the the. I don't even want to say the slave master because a lot of slaves didn't come into too much contact with the slave master. They came more so into contact with the overseer. So they have the overseer's mentality. Okay. I mean, just look at how we act, the lowest among us. We act like overseers. We take we've taken on their their identity. Mm. Okay. I mean, where else why else do you think we we have a, a black woman run around and a lot of black women run around saying abort black male babies? And not only is there no punishment system, but there's also no uh there's no real uh challenges challenges concerning it okay if that makes any sense because i'm like if all honesty if we as black people this is what i mean by punishment system if we as black people had a punishment system outside of shaming language towards our uh, towards our detractors our that look like us none of this would be going on mm. Or not. Okay. Let's be honest. Okay. So that's really all I, I want to say about that. I, I and and to be honest, no, I don't. I don't think it. I mean, maybe it's because I'm I'm an atheist. Although I grew up in the church, I don't take religious people seriously. Because I mean, what is the crux of a religion? What is the real base of a religion? It's the cult, right? Well, I'm not. Remember, I'm trying to keep the conversation on this kind of, you know, shift in the culture of a religion. You know, I don't want to get into a theological debate as to whether or not, you know, one should practice one at all. I'm not. I'm not necessarily going there, but I'm interested in kind of finding out what is it that brothers are experiencing in that regard. Um, let me see. Uh, I'm going to bring in. Let me bring in some of the other brothers in this conversation who are waiting as well. Uh, conscious awakening. Yeah, can, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. 
Go ahead and weigh in on this. What are your experiences? Uh, well, I'm an African-American Muslim um, born on the east side of Cleveland, Ohio, right? Okay. And, um, you know, grew up through the city. Um, if you've ever been to Cleveland, Ohio, um, you got first Cleveland Masjid. You got Masjid Bilal, the first uh, Masjid, I believe, in America, built from the ground up by African-Americans. Uh, you have Masjid Wharfdean. And I came from a household where my father was a convert. Um, once he, you know, he was incarcerated, came out of incarceration, joined the nation of Islam um, under the leadership of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Once the schism happened, of course, he followed his son, um, Warf Dean Muhammad. And I was brought up into that. And when he met my mother um, at that time, um, they had both been converts. She converted independently from Christianity and came into Islam. Now, are, we fast, talking, are we talking in like the 70s or the 80s or what time frame for your family? Uh, I'm, I'm going to probably say it was around the, let me see, she's born. I'm going to say more the 80s, 90s. Okay. I'm okay. gonna say probably more in the two um, decades, but so you know, for me and my other brother have grown up into it. Initially, my observations, kind of just weighing in on this, is that with the older Islamic community, and I guess um, that was the first thing I thought of. I guess baby boomers, uh, maybe post-war, growing up, because you know I've always had members of Islamic community, let's say 40 years older than me, you know, I remember those those members that they passed away over the years, you know, this was never a conversation, right? Mm. Now, if I'm a millennial, I'm born in the early 90s, mm. and I'm looking around me now at a lot of my peers, um, particularly with the uh, a lot of the Islamic, African-American Islamic sisters, I have noticed this burgeoning, not only feminists, but this intersectional identity politics and mm -hmm. the intrusion into that, into the theology, right? Um, a lot of the sexual identity, I mean, I've, I've seen sisters talk before about, you know, well, when are we going to talk about homophobia or transphobia or a lot of the other alphabet politics, uh, feminism, obviously, a lot of the other liberal topics. And when I've engaged in those conversations and I say, do you not see any contradiction between the theology that you practice and the beliefs ascribed to it and these other politics and identities? And they say no. And I've also noticed, uh, of course, a lot of the postmodernism plays into that, too. Right. Um, when you mm -hmm. break down essentialism, you know, essentialism and identities and all this other stuff. But I noticed particularly in the younger demographic. Um, even to the point where, you know, I, I was, ex you know, I've experienced this with African-American women, but when I have had some Arab sisters start to say the same thing, mm. I think, okay, so this isn't, this is not necessarily just particular to our community with this mindset and the spread of it. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, I, you know, I just wanted to chime that in real quick as I'm listening to this, but um, and particularly to African-American community, that gynocratic thought and thinking is is chronic. I mean, I, I would just use that word. I think that's been chronic because of how it has been institutionalized, not only within the greater society, but now how it's unfortunately become a, a facet of our own culture. Um, and again, to the to the broader Islamic community, I've, I've seen this among sisters, never brothers, mm. never in my in my own personal experience, I haven't seen any brothers bring up these issues whatsoever, um, anything of that sort. You know, we, we talk about other things, but not in terms of these, I'll just say these very liberal leaning politics, but with the women, it's definitely something there. So 
Well, now that's, but that's still interesting too. You know, when you think about how millennials have been educated in regard to these concepts and these topics, I still wouldn't have been surprised if you told me, you know, you had heard brothers bringing these conversations in. It wouldn't surprise me based on, you know, how these generations have been introduced to these ideas. But tell me this, when you mentioned earlier, you saw, you know, some of the Arab women who were bringing in some of these feminist talking points. Was it the same in terms of what you've dealt with with African-American women? Were there any differences? What did you experience in terms of that? Well, I'll, I think maybe it is also generational in terms of uh, just a lot of the, this inclination, the social inclination towards liberal politics okay. that we are seeing among certain generations. So let's say millennial or now you see with Generation Z. And so you're kind of like, OK, that's just a part of age, right, mm. so to speak. Um, one thing I noticed with the Arab women is that still, however, they kept their cultures intact. And there was still a, a, a relationship, a reciprocal relationship and value in the culture and in the relationships that they had with their own menfolk, despite uh, any intracultural conflicts and issues. I noticed that it was never a thing to where it looked as, unfortunately, as dysfunctional as our culture, as African-Americans has looked. That was one of the first things I noticed. They kept an attack. They still speak Arabic. You can still even see the way they speak to their brothers and so forth like that. There's still a sense of reverence. And I'll, I'll just use the word love and appreciate mm -hmm. they still have their own culture. Uh, unfortunately, you know, have not seen the same with women from our own culture. Okay. I'll say this real quick. Having come from Cleveland, the Islamic community here, because it's smaller, the African-American group is smaller. Mm. Um, usually for the most part, it has, it's, I would just say it's been more intact. And how I grew up with it, um, I said, okay, you know, it, 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 you know, it just looked more structured. It wasn't until I, I went out to Philly because, you know, I was at the grad school, Temple, all mm. of that, right? went out to Philly and that's when I started to see uh, what the brother um, Merchant Traveler was talking about. And I was like, yo, this is completely different than what I ever grew up into because at that point, and I, I think, you know, the brothers here may catch my, my message, but you know, I grew up in the hood and East side of Cleveland seeing, you know, a lot of Christian brothers killing this, this and that. You didn't see Islamic brothers doing that. When I went out to Philly, mm -hmm. then you had, you know, Rashid putting the work on Muhammad. And then at that point I realized, and this kind of gets a little bit off topic, how, you know, our issues of culture, we've tried to use religion to fix issues of culture, you know, deep structural issues going back to the plantation. But, you know, that aside, um, just seeing in the city of Philadelphia, just a lot of what Merchant Traveler was talking about, you know, from talking to a lot of them sisters. And I said, yo, that's that's camouflage right there. But, you know, that's that's the, that's and I'm coming to, to Rebel next, um, you know, but that's that's kind of the crux of this. We're talking about there's a religious practice, but then there's a there's a cultural practice beneath it. And so we can talk about Islam in different places, or, you know, or so on and so forth. But my question is here, based on this kind of gynocratic history we have in the United States, particularly in the black community, I'm curious about that intersection. What happens when you have a, a religion of patriarchal origin? And one could argue Christianity is, is, is as well. So the things that we've been hearing, and I referenced Kevin Samuel's video on Christian feminism, you know, we've seen that play out in the Christian community in a very particular way where, you know, in many ways, there are many that argue that feminism has kind of dominated uh, what's considered acceptable in Christian practice. But I had not heard very many people talk about Islam. So I was curious to know what that was. And Merchant 
was kind enough to reach out to me and share some thoughts. And I said, this is going be a good conversation to have. So let me, let me, let me bring it to rebel. Uh, and then I'm going to come back. Can I say one quick thing about like 15 seconds? Go ahead. Um, I just, all I mentioned there too, is just the environment. And I right. think that because of this particular Western environment and the empowerment of women and so forth like that, in that sense, you know, with quotations, um, that's where you just see a lot more of that, you know, version that from, but I appreciate the time, brother. All right. I appreciate that, man. Um, we're going to go to rebel and then Dawood, uh, rebel. Yeah. What do you want to say on this? Can you, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Um, a bit of truth. Um, I like to know how long you've been an atheist. Is um, I've been an atheist for like since I was a teen. Uh, even though um, I'm a first generation, uh, my parents came from Haiti. So of course, the first thing I grew up with was voodoo. But I had an uncle who uh, was very deep in church, and I kind of grew up in kind of like in church. But I always had the voodoo thing. But as I got older, I became an, uh, an atheist and everything. And then when you're atheist, it's kind of lonely because you don't really find so many atheists, especially black atheists. So um, you kind of meet up with a bunch of them off on like Facebook and meet up places and stuff like that, right? But around like maybe 2010, 2011, this was when blog talk was really uh, big. There was a lot of atheist shows on there, black well, atheist shows. Hold on. Hold on, brother Rebel. I'm I'm gonna allow Bitter Truth to answer that if he's if he's inclined to, but I I do want to keep the conversation on this question of feminism and religion. Did you have anything you wanted to 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 say to weigh in on that? Yeah, because what I say because yeah, it may uh, feminism uh affected people like in the religion, but it really went came into like the non-religion uh part, like a lot of the um like a lot of the stuff, like I didn't even know it's like stuff. I'm just now kind of like through listening to your show mm. and stuff like that with all the sectionalism, uh, the transsexual stuff, the alphabet stuff like that. They were really like pushing that hard. And if you didn't agree with that, uh, you were kind of like shunned, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were, in, if you were in a group, like say a Facebook group and you had a disagreement with a female or whatever like that, they would actually, like with such like vitriol come at you and accuse you of doing all kind of stuff and you're like what I didn't I didn't even do nothing I was told I didn't agree with her so it was like I, I, that's why I wanted to ask him how long is that because I know feminism really it it was a big black uh, atheist movement that was actually kind of growing around that time but because of all that intersectional and all that stuff that it kind of killed it the black atheist movement. Well, it, it, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Bitter Truth a, a, an opportunity to briefly respond, and you guys might want to communicate more in the private chat. But we, I want to have a very particular conversation uh, with all due okay, my- respect. Uh, Bitter Truth, did you want to answer him real quick about how long you've been atheist? I've been an atheist ever since I read the ancient Egyptian Book of the Dead, and I found out that religion was created in order to keep the peasants in line. Okay. Okay, so and I didn't grow up in the church in Cleveland, Ohio. So are we okay. talking time-wise? How much are we talking? 10, 20, how many years? I was 15. I'm 51 now. Okay. So y'all can communicate in the private chat if Bitter Truth is willing to. But uh, I'm gonna come to Dawood and uh you know raise and deal with this issue. Dawood, how you want to weigh in on this? Peace, uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, it's an honor, brother. I'm much a big, big fan of your work. It's an honor to be on your show. Much appreciated. Um, I think I bring a unique perspective because I was in the nation, number one. And number two, 
I was a minister in the nation for 20 years. And oh, wow. um, so for me, when I see the subject, I, I was wondering what sparked it because y'all don't really know. <laughs> y'all don't really know. Like, so let me start from the bottom, work my way to the top. Okay. Basically, number one, one of the gentlemen said something like, that's what Farrakhan has been saying. No, Farrakhan has not been saying that. Farrakhan has been empowering women and feminism for years. He has not been saying the same thing that Malcolm X and them were saying. It, he has turned Islam into almost the church. And so therefore, what you see in the nation of Islam, as far as feminism is concerned, that's a breeding ground for that for years. And the bottom line is this. Basically, the biggest contributors to tithes and offering is who? It's women. Mm -hmm. So why do you think preachers and ministers pander to the women? It's because they know that they can't keep the lights on if they don't attract women. Right. Back in the day, Nation of Islam used to attract men because the Nation of Islam would give power to men. Mm -hmm. And they saw that if you came over into the nation, you would have power over your family, your children, and your women. But slowly but surely over the course of years, that wasn't the case anymore. And the current leaders of Islam... Um, as far as Nation of Islam, Black Islam, whatever, they began to tolerate a whole lot of stuff that wasn't tolerated prior to 1975. And so therefore, okay. when you really want to talk about it, and I put this in the chat room, Kevin Samuels knew a lot about the nation, more than, more than y'all think. You're starting to borg out, um, just to let you know. Can you hear me? Dawood, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. Oh, my God. You, you're, start, you're starting um, to borg out. We, we didn't hear the last 20 or 30 seconds. Okay. I'm sorry. What I was saying is that there was a book called Fascinating Womanhood that all, all Muslim women were made to read. And Kevin Samuels knew that book. So a woman called in his show, and she asked him um, about this book. And he said, what are you, a Muslim? Because he knew about the, he, he knew that that was mandatory. But what I'm telling you is, over the course of time, that wasn't really enforced anymore. Femininity mm. wasn't enforced. The uh, dress code wasn't enforced. And even Farrakhan himself, before I was a part of a nation, uh, a branch of the nation that split from that nation, primarily because of feminism and how it started taking things over. And so, therefore, so what, I remember. What time period? What time period were you? When did you? What? What year did you come in? I came in 1991. 91. And okay. I left in 2018. Um, so I was there for a long time. And um, but but the organization I was a part of, we split from Farrakhan's nation in 1996. Number one, because he was trying to make it more orthodox. But number two, and more importantly, he was given a lot of power to women that we felt that they shouldn't have. Okay. And so therefore, um, he began to empower them much like preachers in the church empowered them. But I can tell you, gentlemen, this. The, the, the main motivation of them empowering women in that way is because it's money. It's because they spend, they give the tithes, they support them with no problem. And when you're in your home, and I know the brother merchant was kind of alluding to this. When you're in your home and you argue with your woman, your woman, all she got to do is say, the minister said this and the minister said that. And so now you're in your home and you're fighting against Farrakhan or your local minister and you can't even have power of your own because you're being overruled. A mm. lot of brothers know this, 
and don't say nothing about it. You know what I mean? Because they don't want to get kicked out of the nation or whatever. But what really is the nation nowadays? You know what I'm saying? And so therefore, when when the conscious community began to talk about the black woman being God, that was not very far from what Farrakhan was preaching because he had already been preaching this kind of feminism through his series called How to Give Birth to a God. So this rabbit hole goes a lot further than y'all think it goes. And I'm not trying to come on here and act like I'm superior to y'all. I just, I was in it and I saw it. So well, I'm you, giving you a frontline account. You asked about what, sport, what spawned the conversation. One of the things I was saying earlier was, it, it, you know, it, it, for me, it started with Kevin Samuels, you know, kind of exploring uh, how Christianity, you know, made its way into the church. And I thought it right. was an interesting discussion, but because of my own background in Islam, and I'm not, you know, I'm not currently active. So I, I was curious, is this an issue that brothers are dealing with in Islam? And then that raised questions about whether or not this is an issue in he, among Hebrew Israelites. And, you know, and, and I just kind of re- started thinking about all of the practices that I've seen in the black community. You know, how is this playing out? And, and everybody's dealing with it, big brother. And, well, and I, I agree. But I'm saying even even when even when it comes to Ifa, right? One of the things I've uh-huh. been seeing in the last couple of years is this kind of rising circle of feminists who only yep. reference the female, you know, or yes, And yes, so sir. I'm saying if this is happening in Ifa or segments of it or people who identify as such, and there's always argument as to who is and who isn't not going there. But, you know, between that and Christianity, I'm like, where else is this happening and how? Because with Islam... You know, the way it was brought to many of the brothers of my generation, I'm Generation X, was this was a space where manhood was safe. You know what I mean? And even Kevin would talk about how many men were leaving the Christian church and going to Islam, whether it was nation or orthodox. A lot of that was predicated on the safety of, you know, black manhood. It it would be received well. And of course, the, 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 you know, the uh, reputation of the nation going back to the, you know, 50s and 60s, they were getting brothers out of prison and and it was a, it was a place where brothers could be men and manhood Uh was supported. So that's, that's what spawned the question. And you're kind of hitting the topic directly on the head. Um, You know, so you're saying you saw this change, you know, take place. Now, where were you? What, what what part of the country were you in? Uh, I'm, I'm in New York. You're in New York. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm from New York City, but I live in upstate New York. So I came into Islam upstate New York because I was, you know, running the streets or whatever when I was in Brooklyn. And um, in the beginning, it was set up so that you as a man had power. But what I realized was, is whenever you went to marriage counseling, the minister would automatically rule on the woman's side. Why? Because she's his number one customer. Mm, okay. And that, that, that really cannot be understated, y'all. What cannot be understated is it, there's a there's a uh, feminist component of it, but there's also a money component because mm-hmm. a lot of these ministers would not jack this feminist BS if it wasn't for the fact that most of their constituents that pay tithes is women. Women will pay over 10 percent tithes. They'll pay, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent of their check as long as they love the preacher. He's saying the right words. And as long as they can get him to overrule their man whenever he gets out of line. And wow. it, it's a shame. I believe that that is the number one reason why men are leaving the church. And they thought that they had a safe place in Islam, but it, it's not a safe place because I, I myself will not deal with a Muslim woman because of this reason. I will not. And wow. I have been married to Muslim, Muslim women before. Mm. 
what what are you noticing uh what else are you noticing that muslim women are bringing to you as a man they're interested in what what other things are you noticing and seeing and, and of course that includes the other brothers you've talked to what kind of things are you noticing from women um well here's the thing i'll give you an example my oldest daughter went to college and um came back a feminist uh, i mean what does that tell you uh, so you know you're living in a society that preaches feminism in a lot of different ways but the main um to me the main source of feminism is coming from the college campuses yes and i do mean historically black colleges which you know because you know yes. of your experience big brother and so therefore like you can raise your children in a nation and they can know that you know the man's supposed to be leader whatever but as soon as you send them off to college all of those years of your teaching is going to be undone there's really no mm. safe place to hide from this mm. And that's and what you said was so important, and I've been saying this for years. You have the you know the, the universities are the basis of this. This is where you're right. getting the direct feminist ideology, black feminist ideology, so on and so forth. But the for the black community, where it switches is in the 1980s when you get the rise of Oprah. What Oprah yes. does is she channels this yes. this fairly small you know strange little group of black feminists. She channels a lot of those talking points into mainstream culture. And so you get a generation of women, Generation X most particularly, who are introduced to these feminist right. talking points, but right. they're divorced from the actual feminist theorists. So you have you have people who don't call themselves feminists, right. who've never read Patricia Hill Collins or or you know any of the other contemporary black feminists on the scene. You know what I mean? They've never read Bell Hooks. They couldn't even tell you much about these women. But when you get them talking about their own beliefs, you're really hearing textbook black feminist talking points. And so you're right, doubt, coming from different streams. It's, it's in pop culture. It's in, but again, I think the one of the most significant places is the, the access to these institutions that black men mostly yes. don't have. Family yes. court, law enforcement, for example, if she calls the police, even though she's your Muslim wife, and she says, you know, this man has hit me. And you know you didn't. But you had a disagreement and she didn't like what you said. She didn't like that you didn't agree. She could impose that institution knowing that you're still a black man at the end of the day. And she can use that institution to her will. How does how do those practices as they overlay? We talked about college. We talked about mainstream culture, media. Now we can talk about law enforcement, family court. That's how I'm referring to feminism. And I'm curious how it's impacting this. So you're, you're dead on as far as I can tell. I'm just... You know, that, that's pretty much what I was wondering if, if that was happening. Well, without a doubt, bro. Um, see, see, back in the day, the Nation of Islam had a mechanism to deal with any kind of family disputes. If you put hands on your, your lady and she called the captain or the, or the minister, you're going to get your ass whipped. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. that, that's the way it went down. I don't know. We're losing you again, good brother. Uh, you're Borgen. I don't know if you but can hear me. But over the course right. of time, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. You you were Borgen out again, so we lost the last 20, 20 or so seconds. Uh oh, can you hear me? Oh goodness, hello. Yeah, I can, can hear you, hear you me now. now, bro. Okay, I'm sorry. I, right now, yeah. Um, what you call? I'm 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 traveling. So what I was saying is that is that basically we had a mechanism to deal with that back in the day, but then what ended up happening was is they began to call upon the white man to come and do the very person we was preaching against. They would call him, just like the good brother Merchant said, 
they will call him to either come and, and, and straighten you out. They will call to come, him to come make you pay your child support or whatever it was. And it will go mm. above and beyond. At some point, there was an edict that if you got divorced, that you had to be put out of the nation because nobody really wanted to deal with the mess. And that's crazy. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I've seen so much that the casual passerby would not know what's going on all of these years. And you you try to, um, you know, build a family and raise children in the midst of all of this. But how can you be successful when your word is not law in your own house? The minister's law is, is word is law in your house. It's crazy. I'm, I'm going to ask you one last question and then I'm going to go to sure. the features and then I'm going to have merchant sure. comment on all of this. And we might even just have a free for all at that point. But let me ask you real quick. One of the things Merchant was talking about was dealing with Muslim women from other countries. Have you had any experience with that? Are you familiar with it? And if so, what have you seen? It's like night and day. It's almost like night and day. Like when you talk to Muslim women from other countries, they are very, very into following the, the, um, the law, following what was said and respecting their husband and their families. Now, that depends on how long they've been over here, though. Because unfortunately, if you go out of the country and you bring them over here, right, and then they got to sit home and watch TV while you're out there working, you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) You're in trouble. (laughs) It's like you and I, you and I, like I'm 51 and I know you're in your 50s. So if you remember Eddie Murphy, he talked about going to Africa and going to get a Bush woman. And -hmm. then she's been over here for a little while and and she's asking for half. That was funny. But it's the truth. It was real. Yep. It was real. And decades before its time, man, he was dropping stuff that I think brothers need to go back and listen to right now. Right. You know? Yeah. In- Indeed. So, I, no, I really appreciate the, uh, your contributions to this. Hold tight. Let me get to the features. And then again, we're going to Pleasure gonna and honor, bro. Keep doing in. what you're doing. And much appreciation. Uh, and then we're gonna have we're gonna have merchant comment on on this, uh, and we'll kind of go from there. So the the features did I pronounce that properly? You gotta un, you gotta unmute. And I'm uh let me see I'm gonna mute, mute Daoud real quick. Um, oh, we lost him. Okay, so hopefully he'll come back in. I put the link back out in the chat. You know, if anybody wants to come in and weigh in on this, merchant traveler. Um, give us your thoughts on some of the things you, you heard, any reflections, any responses to anything so far? Yeah. Um, well, that last brother was talking, uh, from a nation point of view, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, the nation is very, very different from mainstream Islam. You know, um, I don't, I don't really know what they're doing there. I, I, you know, um, like, and he made a good point. Farrakhan's movement is Farrakhan's movement. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, as far as foreign women, you know, real, real quick before you go there though, in terms of one of the things Dawood raised, you know, have you noticed what, you know, the main mainstream media in the United States, you know, did you know, what, what have you seen in terms of that influence? on um women in al-islam well what happens with islam is you know a lot of brothers want to put you know because the media said a lot of negative things about islam as it relates to women i believe a lot of brothers would try to um you know would be a little bit more feminist like as far as saying no we got to do right by the women 
we got to do this by the woman. You got to take care of your wife. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They would try to push those things instead of more, you know, checking them to tell them to be obedient. You know, there's hadiths that said that the, what a prophet said, if I would order anyone to bow to someone, I would order a, a, a wife to bow to her husband. But in Islam, we don't bow to anyone except for Allah. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. So instead of pushing things like that, like I said, they would say, you know, they would push more on the man to take care of his wife. And those things, you know, we believe in. But more of the emphasis will be put on the man than the woman. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something else? No, no, no. You let somebody else talk. Okay. Let me get it. We got the features back in. Let's see if the, if his mic is working. Can you hear me? Assalamu alaikum. Uh, How you doing, man? Alhamdulillah. Good. I want to thank you again for another hot topic. I want to thank the brothers for participating as well. And I thank you for this platform. And uh, in terms of feminism and in infiltration of feminism in Islam, the reality is the feminism was here long before the Muslims started actually guarded, guarded some communities in the West, right? Feminism, femi feminism historically has always been used to uh, as like a weapon against uh, the black community, right? This mm -hmm. it, way back uh, when in slavery times, when they were when white women were owning property and and slaves, they would sign a nuptial agreements, right, in order to prevent their husbands from stealing their slaves and their land. And of course, the most um, what you would call it, uh, liquid asset at that time was slaves, right? So. Mm -hmm. And if you read the book, um, they were her property, you'll see all the receipts on that. Okay. As well as in the, when the constitution was written in 1870, there was this, this movement called the women's suffrage movement. And their whole goal was to essentially lock black people out, black men, particularly out of voting, right? That was, that was their only, um, goal, right? And that's how the whole women's suffrage movement uh, started right because that when when uh, it was written in the constitution that for voting only men were voting at the, at those times right, right so right. these women push try to push to get women written into the 13th 14th and 15th amendments as we know the 13th 14th 15th amendments were specifically uh, for black people right so they tried to ensure that women were uh, in the amendments themselves and what the politicians at that time were saying were what Muslims were saying since 1400 years ago and that women have always been a protected class and there's no need to write them into the constitution, right? So, however, this very famous uh, white feminist, I don't know if you're, you know, her name is uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. You know, you know, who she, yeah, okay. So Elizabeth Cady Stanton, she wrote, she actually um, said some incredibly outlandish racist things to show what white women were really about at that time. And she said, uh, think of Sambo, who does not know the difference between uh, a monarchy and a republic, nor has he ever read the Declaration of Independence, right? Making laws for Lydia Maria Child, 
Lucretta Mark and Fanny Kimball, all of these women who are, who are white feminists back, back, back in these times, mm -hmm. right? So when we're talking about feminism, you have to make a distinction between the white feminism and black feminism. White feminism has always, and this has to be, have to be very clear, white feminism has always been used to dilute black power. Mm -hmm. That's it, right? Yeah. Black feminism has been used to empower black women over men. Mm -hmm. And so now what, we're, what we are witnessing is the spillover of a social engineering project that has not only affected Muslims, but also Christians, um, atheists. As, as long as you're a black, you're going to be affected by that. And you will see the complaints from Muslim men, Christian men, all similar or the same about black women specifically. And we see, we're just seeing the results of that. Understand? So now when Islam came, particularly in the 90s, when the Orthodox Islam was spreading in the 90s, you could say that that was really the golden age of um, Orthodox Islam, right? Islam was spreading like crazy at that time, right? Orthodox Orthodox Islam, as well as nation, nation, nation Islam at this time as well, you know, the influence of hip hop music and whatnot. And we started, we started seeing a large, um, how do you say it? a lot of support for black men specifically right and mm -hmm. so louis farrakhan he did the million men march you mm -hmm. know there was a very historical uh, event right uh you had uh muslim, yeah muslim men uh you know basically taking care of their families and these type of things and then all of a sudden particularly in the in the orthodox community those of you those of you who have been muslim a, a while in the orthodox community you know this is true Right. What happened was, as as uh, they say in Arab, the Dawah just stopped or the propagation of Islam just kind of stopped. And that is because, as the brother mentioned, Easterners started coming. Right. The immigrate, the immigrants started coming and they are the ones who started accepting the traditional um, feminist slogans and making those slogans part and parcel with Islam, which which is impossible to do anyways, because we already have. The traditions in the Quran and the Sunnah, which are very clear, very very clear, right? In terms of the gender roles, in terms of uh, men being the protectors and the maintainers of the women, and women uh, basically running the home and these type of things, right? So now what you have is a lot of these Muslim speakers who are speaking with like very matriarchal talking points on uh, religious uh, minbars and khutbas and these, these things of this nature. I talk about the rights of women and the rights of women. This 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 thing, type thing started happening a lot, right? Because the Easterners themselves, when they come over here, generally they are very patriarchal and some of them are even misogynist. You can say that, like particularly from the South Asian region, region right? This, this, this is just a fact. So when the brother Dawood was mentioning about marrying women from traditional muslim countries as a, as opposed to a western black woman what did he say it was he said it was night and day night and day how do we know it's night and day i'm seeing some brothers in the chat that i know personally these are pro-black brothers okay i'm not gonna put them out there they're like very pro-black right but they're not married to black western women they've done it they've married black western women and it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So what did they end up doing? They ended up marrying women from the East. You understand? Mm -hmm. and again, that is that spillover from that black feminism that really started in the 70s with um, 
what's that woman's name again? The Jewish woman. <laughs> oh, we can Gloria Steinem. Yeah, thank you, Gloria Steinem, and 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 the CIA. Thank you so much. Right. Mm -hmm. It really started, you know, when the CIA put this project towards black people, where black women start saying, starts, uh, you know, sisters are doing it for themselves, and strong, independent black woman, and I don't need no man. And as you mentioned in the '80s. After, uh, you know, Oprah started really pushing with with uh, her user platform, you know, to kind of push these ideas. And another brother was mentioning about the the LGBTQs, right? The LGBTQs really they really took off with the um, presidential run of Barack Obama. Before Barack Obama, there was no such thing as LGBT. Okay. What were they called before Barack Obama? Well, I'm in the academy. I remember. What, LGBT. You, what do you think? What do you think the state of Islam now is with, with regard to black feminism? There's uh there's a shift. There's like a paradigm shift because there are those who actually see what's happening, right? And they're resistors, right? They're they're the ones who are like our brother uh, Dr. Hassan uh, Johnson here, right? There are those who are resisting this this type of um, propaganda. However. The more you finance something, the more of it you're going to get. If you have an unlimited supply of, of um, currency to push an agenda, you're going to get more of it. We are competing with people who have uh, incredibly deep pockets to push these particular agendas, right? If you look at the brother, um, what's Ibram X. Kendi, right? He wrote this amazing book, Stamp from the Beginning. Right. That book would not be what it is if he did not put that intersectionalism. I'm putting it out there. Mm. All right. If he did not talk about the um, the homosexual issues and the LGBT issues in that book, if he didn't mention it. And he didn't if he did not start saying that you can be intersectionalized between, you know, homosexuals and being black and being women. If he did not do that, his book would not be as popular as it is. You understand? Even though it's an amazing book. It is an amazing piece of work. I'll give him that. But that right there, right, is why it got so, so, so that push. You understand? And because, and when you have. How, do, how is it, how is it on the ground, though? Like every day dealing with black women, uh, black Muslim women and, and feminism. How, how is it day to day? You know, as I said, you know, there's a resistance, you know, I, I hope the, uh, our, our, our esteemed doctors in mind, but I have a, a specific channel where I deal, I deal with this issues all the time. And the Muslim women within our, our community, they're starting to see it, right? There is a resistance happening, right? So, and what we are seeing is that the lines are going to be becoming less and less and less blurred. And I have, I have this, this statement that I say all the time is I let those heifers go extinct, right? Let those heifers go extinct. Do not marry them. You know, do not uh, have sit downs with them. When you see a woman has been married multiple times, you know, this, these women need to be, be known in the community that this is a serial uh, marriage uh, person. You know what I mean? Because as you know, in Islam, we don't, we're not supposed to have um, relationships outside of marriage. So what they do is they take marriage as a complete joke. They will marry and marry and marry, marry, divorce, marry, divorce, marry, divorce. 
you know, and it's, it's not taking as, as something serious. You know what I mean? So now what you're seeing is other women are calling out these women. You understand? So, and it's from the grassroots. As, as you know, the power always comes from the ground up. You know, if you can, if the people who are not worried about money, that's where the real power is, right? Because they are they're built they're building something based upon principles, not upon uh, you know commerce, right? So on the ground, there is there is change happening. One hundred percent. Go ahead. No, I appreciate that contribution. I want to get uh, I want to get Ian to weigh in on this, and then we got uh, Urban Dawa who just came up. So um, I appreciate that uh, the features, and uh, Ian, go ahead and weigh in. Give us your thoughts on this. Yeah, my my thought, uh, you know, typically, you know, I'm in. I've seen this. I saw this coming already with with regard to uh, the nation of Islam. Um, you do you do also have, as you said, you know, you have the the uh, 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 Orthodox Muslims coming from the east when they come to America, they will they will they will continue a lot of their submissive ways as as females. But uh, you know, I'll give an example. You know, of this. Uh, this woman, this this uh, young young lady that I was dating or whatever, you know, um, as soon as I said, you know, I'm against feminism, right? She just, you know, she she just flew in a rage almost, like 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 it's like she she was holding that card the whole time, like like the whole time though you never would have known, you know, based on her submit submissiveness and respect of men and so on and so forth, you never would have known. That she was holding on to this feminist card. So I think in a lot of ways, you know, when when they do come over over here as as ortho, as these orthodox females, they do embrace feminism, you know, and and it, that does merge with with the with the black women here. But I I can't necessarily say that they're the ones who who are bringing it over here because particularly when we're talking about going into the schools, right? You uh, you know, and and as you know, Doctor. Dr. Tiasan Johnson, you know, the ethnic women were the ones who were leading the charge, right? I mean, they, they're not the ones who started it, but the gaslighting, right? The, the feminist, the, the feminist gaslighting of ethnic women, just like you saw in the movie, you know, white women will, will, will put a crown on their head, you know, and, and I don't care how submissive and, 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 and how much culture that they have, you know, when white supremacy puts a crown on these on these ethnic women's head, you know, coming from these uh these these different religious sectors, you know, it's it's a wrap. You know what I'm saying? They they might maintain a lot of their submissive ways, but they're gonna hold on to that feminism because you know that's that's their that's their power play. You know, and and as human be as human beings as they are, is I I know it's it's very hard hard for them to resist. So, mm. you know, I think I think when you're talking about uh, talk about Farrakhan. I just saw a video uh, just just recently, a brother that I know here in Atlanta. Um, he, he showed a video uh, of, of Farrakhan saying that, uh, you know, your relationship, the relationship with the black woman is the closest thing that you're going to get to to heaven, you know, so that, you know, he he does in a lot of ways pander and worship to 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 females. And I, I found that, unfortunately, in my dealings with a lot of Muslim, uh, particularly here in Atlanta, they they have a particular way of of seeing their manhood through the 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 uh, the violent protection of the of the of their women. You know they you know like oh don't disrespect women. So they don't necessarily outside of that 
have this have their 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 sense of manhood that but but they do you know because they have the aspects of building and such but on an interpersonal level right you know you could see uh, from 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 their core protecting the woman seems to be the the measure of their of their manhood and and typically you know the way that the the females that that they're that they're trying to protect they're a lot of times they're not worthy of that level of protection and so these men are putting themselves in a lot of times at odds with other brothers um unfortunately you know for for reasons that are not 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 really worth worth a fight okay okay so so i i think i see where you're going with this so you're saying that uh, because protection is going to be a feature in a, in a patriarchal or a gynocratic framework protection in and of, of itself is going to be there but you're saying that when you have people functioning in this kind of gynocratic framework there's not a, a standard given to the women as to what deserves protection, what type of behavior deserves mm-hmm. ongoing protection. So you're saying you got brothers that are just extending it because the black woman is God, as opposed to a structure where her protection is part of the culture, but she also understands her behavior is into why she's protected in that way. Am I understanding you? Yes, that is that is that is exactly the case. That is exactly the case. I mean, I, I mean, and you know, because you know, I I transverse a lot of different uh, groups. You know, especially here in here where I am in Atlanta. You know, for you know, for years I've studied with with particular. You know, we can go into the more science. You know, the when I when I was doing that. You know, they they were talking about the the black woman as God. That was the basis of of more science. You know, you wouldn't know it until you till you actually got the papers in in your hand. But they they do see the woman as God. And then going over to the the some of the Hebrew Israelite camps. You know, I was I was you know, and and I'm still you know I'm still associated with them. But you know, once I was told that I'll be bounced out on my head because I I talked about how a female was being very contentious and disruptive. Amongst the brothers and and amongst what 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 was what was trying to be um, uh, uh, built, uh, you know, socially in this and and um, spiritually in the in the group. Okay, okay, um, appreciate that, man. Let me let me get uh, Urban Dower to weigh in on this. Um, Urban, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead and weigh in on right. this. What are your thoughts on this? All right, peace to everyone. Assalamu alaikum to all the Muslims. Um, I'm going to get real personal because this is a, a very good discussion among black men. And I just want to contribute to some real life. Now, I came to Islam when I was about 21, 22 years old. And um, many years being um, in the, the Dean of Islam, um, getting my supposed life together because I had a troubled teenage, teenage years. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided I wanted to get married because marriage is, 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 is esteemed in, in, in al-Islam. It's, uh, it's part of the Sunnah or the way of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So I wanted to get married. And a brother I knew came to me with a sister that he was the wali for. The wali, is the, uh, the wali or wakil is the, the guardian. Mm-hmm. He looks over her affairs so she can get married because she didn't have any Muslim family. She was a convert. Mm-hmm. She had only been Muslim for a couple of months. That was mistake number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I married the sister and we ended up having a child. And now to this day, I'm, I'm a few years from 50 
and mm -hmm. I'm still having issues and problems with this woman and our child. Okay. To this day. And he's 15 years old at this point. Um, we split apart from each other because, because our disagreements about how the household should be ran, our disagreements about finance. She had never lived under their budget in her whole entire life. Okay. I, I suggested, you know, we need to, because I was giving her money and bills weren't getting paid, but she was going shopping. <laughs> so, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I said, you know, baby, we need to sit down and, you know, make a budget. And she was offended by the suggestion <laughs> that we create a budget and that we pay the bills on time. And because she, she says I'm a free, she always says she's a free spirit. You know, she doesn't uh, live under these type of uh, dictates like this. Mm -hmm. And our our understanding of um, the dean of Al Islam was vastly different. Um, when I would come to her and I would and I would explain to her from the Quran and the authentic Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, how the man and the woman are, su are supposed to be relate to each other, how they're supposed to conduct each other in the home. Even I would bring um, uh, books to her and lectures from certain scholars. So she just wouldn't hear it from me. She wouldn't think I was just making this stuff up. You know, she would listen to it, but ultimately she, re she rejected it by her behavior. So we okay. had to split apart, but we didn't get divorced. We split apart. I, I left the door open for reconciliation. She went to the mosque and got uh, the marriage annulled. Mm. She got the marriage annulled, yes. And after that point, I didn't see my child for almost a year. Wow. Yeah, I didn't see my child for almost a year. So I, I tell you, tell you this truthfully. After um, after about a half a, half a year, I ended I ended up having to stay with family members because I didn't have any place to go. I didn't have a, a place to live at the time. Um, I, I wasn't seeing my child. She wouldn't answer the phone. I didn't know where she was at. Mm -hmm. um, no one could tell me where she, her and my child were, were at. And uh, it was a very stressful time. Yeah, I had to lean on my spirituality. I, I, I was making prayers, deep prayers, and telling, you know, Allah, Almighty God, you know, this is a little bit too much for me to take, <laughs> you know. And mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> he heard me because I got in contact with her. I was able to see my child. We tried to establish a co-parenting relationship. It was always bumpy mm. because soon she she took her uh, kimar off the hijab. She took that mm. off. Mm. You know, she put the jeans back on uh. and the heart to tops back on. Uh. Next thing you know, people were telling me, "Have you seen your ex-wife um, Facebook profile?" I took a look at that. I'm not even going to say what I saw. Because she's still Muslim, even if she doesn't practice. But I saw things on the Facebook I couldn't get with, right? And so I went and tried to get custody of my of my son. In fact, we I, I, I went to the court, and because um, we were having such dis difficult difficult difficulties with agreeing on certain things, we went to the friend of the court for mediation. The friend of the court, it was nothing but white women. The white women sided with me against her wow. she didn't like that she didn't like that so she went and filed we filed both um um 
We filed both at the court the same exact day. She filed to have my uh, visitation reduced. And she made up a lie saying my son claimed that I beat him. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. She, yes. She claimed that I, I was beating my son my, and I needed supervised visitation. Wow. I found that I found I filed in the court to get full custody of my son. We went to court. Um, you know, I came thorough. I had I had um uh what was that one presidential um candidate that said he had binders about different women candidates. He had binders and binders about women that he was uh, going to put in his administration. I forgot his name, but I had binders when I came to court about okay. information with her. Every conversation, I made sure I didn't speak to her um, on the phone. I made sure we only we spoke to each other through, through text messages so I could keep copies of those text messages. I had screenshots of her Facebook page I had statements from people that we both knew I had everything mm. I didn't get I didn't get custody but my um my visitation was not reduced in fact it was it was clarified because that was one of the things that we were arguing about is about visitation when she told me this is my son I'll decide where he goes he can't just go over anybody's house mm -hmm. speaking about my home mm -hmm. So her son can't go over anybody's house. I'm the father. Wow. wow. I, I told her, if that's your son, he can't. And I'm just anybody. Well, we need to get a DNA test. <laughs> wow. Because maybe this isn't my Are you trying to tell me this isn't my child? This wow. is not real. I'm not making any of this up. This is a Muslim woman who did this. Now, the one good thing that came out of it, they reduced my child support. <laughs> She, she didn't expect that to happen. So since then, we've been trying to, we've been trying to co-parent. She's had other men around my child. She's gotten remarried to a non-Muslim man. Um, and now my son is in high school and he's struggling mm. in high school. Mm. And I and I warned her when we went to court, you need to let him come live with me. Mm -hmm. I can. I'm going to raise him to be a man. I'm not trying to take him away from you. I'm not trying to keep you from seeing him. I want him to live with me so I can raise him as a good Muslim young man. Mm -hmm. Her pride wouldn't allow her to see that. But now, who does she call every day? Who does she call on the text? Can you talk to your son? Can you tell your son to do his homework? Can you tell the son to, to clean his room? Can you come get him? I can't take him anymore. I can't take this anymore. Can you just come pick him up? And you know, so you've been you've been reduced from father to enforcer. To enforcer, yes. And this you're is what I told her. That, at her whim for certain issues, but you're not in a father position to make decisions. Exactly, exactly. So I'm to say, oh, you didn't. So you don't want me to have custody. You won't let him go, but you want me to raise him from my house across the telephone across right, right. text messages at your house no you run your house if you want him to be at my house then he comes to live at my house and i'll run him but you you want a primary custody so handle that yeah handle a, lot that. Of brothers, a lot of brothers tell the same story where if they do get their sons it's 15 16 when he's at the height of his rebelliousness coming into his, his manhood but truth be told true fathers you know you need him much younger than that to really oh yes. Of, by that point, you're dealing with an emergency situation. 
but you know fatherhood is not something you just call in as a as a reflex at the last minute fatherhood is constant you know i, I don't exactly. need him at 16 i need him at, at, at birth you know what i mean but, but go ahead and continue oh well, everything you just said is true and but we you're able to say that because this this is a pattern that happens over and over again in the black community and it happens now unfortunately it doesn't matter what your religion is it doesn't matter if you're muslim it doesn't matter if you're hebrew israelite it doesn't matter if you're in the nation it doesn't matter if you're atheist either so there's there's something going on in our community that supersedes religion and ideology yes. uh, there's a, this is something extremely me and my father talk about it a lot um my father calls it a mental illness <laughs> um among the black we we do have a mental illness we have uh low self-esteem and, and among our our black sisters not just muslim sisters but black sisters as, as far as the race we see this i'm not trying to get on anybody with the hair and the and the nails and the eyelashes but it's clearly a sign of deep um shame about the way you, your african features and the way you look that's clear to anyone who could i'm sure it's clear to white people mm. even though they may not say anything about it but the need to have these outrageous weaves and you know prophet muhammad peace be upon him said the woman who puts um puts extensions in her hair and the person who does the extensions are both in the hellfire for changing mm. the for changing the creation mm. and defraud and it's the form of defrauding right making yourself look like something you're really not so you know there's something going on inside of us and it's affecting even the black muslim community as my brother the feature said and he, he has an excellent channel by the way and I, even the 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 immigrant community is coming over here they're establishing themselves in uh the suburbs a lot of the times they have all the money in the world because they're getting um, great jobs. They're getting access to universities and colleges to get higher education. They're getting um, sponsored visas to work in tech, to work in STEM, STEM fields. And they're mm -hmm. building mega mosques out in the suburbs. And even though they have some, they're, they're having some issues within their ranks with liberalism and feminism, it's nothing like what's going on in the black community. And as the brother also said, a lot of these immigrant uh, imams and, and organizers, they want to appeal to the dominant culture and show, they want to prove because of Islamophobia, that you know, we're not terrorists, we're not like ISIS, we're not like them. So they push the feminist narrative. Mm. And mm. as black male Muslims, we're not, we are looking at this like that doesn't serve us. That doesn't serve us and our needs. That doesn't serve what's going on in our community. Mm -hmm. our, our circumstances are completely different from your circumstances. So what you're doing doesn't help us reestablish the black family. It doesn't it doesn't help us connect with our children. It doesn't put us into the, the position to be fathers holding um, executive decision making. Okay. And so regardless of what religion you are, the thing is we have i don't know how i don't know what the answer is how do we how is it even possible to put the black family back together you know once the egg cracks can you put the egg can you put the yolk back together can you put the 
the the, the shield back together? Yeah. I don't I, I don't know the answer to that. No, it's a valid question. It's just at this my focus on it is is really just to get the men to the point where we can even articulate to ourselves uh what 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 it is we need, what we stand for, what our issues are. We haven't to me, we're still doing the ABCs of this. That we don't it, oh, one last thing, brother. We're still developing the the vocabulary to articulate our experiences because there hasn't been one. But but go ahead and make your last point, and I want to bring in T Fitness. Uh, but go ahead. My last point. Um, even though I'm I'm black, I was born and raised in the city of Detroit, a very black city, and you know I grew up seeing black couples together because of my experience with black women. And I still wanted to be married. I still had that ideal of getting married. I, I didn't go MGTOW. MGTOW is not a part of Islam. That's not an Islamic ideology. I, I, was, I felt like I was forced to marry a woman who was not from my community. Mm -hmm. And that only added fire to uh, the troubles with me and my ex. Because then she had to deal with whatever was going on inside of her because she saw her ex-husband, whom she said she, she didn't want anymore, married to another woman, not just another woman, another woman of another hue. Now, why do you say you were forced? Because, as I said before, Islam puts a high premium on marriage. I personally, my personal principles, even if I wasn't, even if I wasn't Muslim, I still would put a high premium on marriage. That's, that's one of the things that attracted me to Al-Islam. I wanted to be married. I'm not a, I'm not a, a man who wants no, to be no, a player. No. no, I understand. I understand that. But I'm saying when you say you were forced to marry a woman that wasn't. I, maybe forces, maybe force is too strong of a word. Let's just no, say not, this. I'm, I'm not challenging. Let's just say word. this. I want to understand let's the just, rationale. Go ahead. Let's just say this. After, after that experience, I became more open. <laughs> to other <laughs> let's say after that experience I my mind became more open to women a different variety of women now see what what you're what I'm hearing you describe though is the environmental issue that MGTOWs, Ibors, and all the brothers up here are grappling with so it's like you we may not like the hashtag or the, the brothers we see talking about it but we're responding to the same issues. And, and the True. reason I'm honing in on your use of the term, I was forced to, because I know what you meant by that. You know, you you you, you may not want to lay it out there completely, but when you say you were forced to, you were, I, what I heard is you have a value system and you understood that many of the women that we're dealing with in our own community are not necessarily raised to the value system you came to embrace. Hmm. Am I understanding that properly? You 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 worded that perfectly. There we go. So 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 even though you may not like MGTOW, you may not like passport bros. See, this is what I've been saying for the longest. The manosphere is not causing all of these things. The manosphere is a result. It's a symptom. I've known brothers that were SYSBM back in 1988. Just, we just didn't have there wasn't no hashtag. It just was what it was. So when you say forced to, it's important. That, I, that we look at that because that the conditions that black men are responding to have created all of these movements long before there was a hashtag for it. Everything we talk about in these spaces has already been done because black men are mm. responding to something. So we may not like the appearance of it on YouTube, but the basic philosophy, 
if you had to go to another community, another country, another culture, what are we actually talking about? And you may not call yourself this or that, but fundamental ideas are there. You're forced to is important in this discussion because if it wasn't such, we would all be having a very different conversation. Matter of fact, think of it. Look at this panel. So we got we got uh, eight brothers up here. If you if we were having this conversation in 1950, how many of us would be married? Oh, more, probably nine out of ten. You see what I mean? It, it, it would be a very different environment. Matter of fact, to have accomplished black men, have eight accomplished black men on one level or another, whatever it is we're accomplished in, in the 1950s, having a conversation, and very few to know none of us are married, that would be that would be almost unheard of. But in 2022, it's not even something we bat an eye about. So we're talking about real issues that black men are responding to. I want to get to T-Fitness, and then uh, we got Martin Ukpai. Uh, I, may, I may have mispronounced that. Uh, Dr. Hustler, Dr. Hustler, I hope you don't mind real quick. I just want to bid, bid you good night and say good night to the audience. Right? Appreciate and you. Thanks again for, for the show. If you don't mind real quick, uh, also in Islam, there are very pointed um, solutions for these problems. In Islam, what the brother Urban Dow was mentioning is not unique. In Islam, you're not supposed to go to the court for child support. That's a big haram. As a matter of fact, it's sound to kufr in, in Islam, which means disbelief. Mm. Right? You're not supposed to... Uh, as a matter of fact, what you're mentioning about the children's ages, having custody of the children at a young age, this is something that is in the sunnah itself. The Prophet Muhammad he specifically said if the men and woman gets uh, you know, separated at a certain age when the, when the child reaches the age of 10 years, which is the age of puberty, he's supposed to be with the father, whether they're men or women. And if the woman gets married, then the man has more right to the children than that woman, right? But you're, so all- you're, but you're hitting the crux of the issue because if that's what's stated in the religion, yes. American law is allowing for something else. And exactly. So the, now these these women I mentioned now, that by the way too. Themselves yeah. against yeah. Islam, yeah. you understand? So there has to be a lot more vetting done within the Muslims, and when it comes to marriage, because as the brother mentioned, marriage is so important that black men tend to rush to marriage because, as you know, black people are kind of sexualized. Like they're very sexually hot. You know what I mean? So so they don't want to stay unmarried <laughs> too long. It's true. It's it's just true, right? But, 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 but I, I want to give the brother a chance to speak who hasn't had had a chance. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I apologize, but thank no, you so no, no, much. Before you no, there you go. Tell people how they can find your channel. And I want each of you up here before you leave to let people know how to find you if, if that's something you want. Go ahead and tell us how to find your channel, and then we'll go to T-Fitness. Yeah, my channel is called The Features, right? And as you can see, my name, F-E-A-C-H-A-Z. I basically talk about Black issues in the Muslim community, and I don't hold back. It's like very um, no-holds-barred, right? It's a very unique channel, and I want to thank you again for your graciousness for allowing me to to push my channel on your channel. I I really appreciate that. Appreciate you coming up, man. Thank you. Alright, 
valid point in many uh, in many ways. My father left the Nation of Islam under Malcolm X to uh, be one of the founding members of the Five Percent Nation. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> right. My father. Wait, wait. You talking in the sixties? <laughs> yeah. My father, my father was well, the firstborn. My father is freedom. The uh, so he he uh, was uh, that passed away. But you know, for many, even under uh, you know under uh, from Temple Seven under Malcolm X, the brothers were um, you know kind of forced to be married. They absolutely were. They were matched. They were match made. That's why my father left because he was not a follower. He was kind of a street dude. So uh, that's why. The, he and, and many of the other brothers left to start uh, the the uh, the five percenters uh, with uh, Clarence Thirteen X Smith, and um, but I, uh, going back to some of the things, I decided back in two thousand and nineteen to go over over thirty years of Farrakhan's uh, lectures on videotape, Ooh. which are available, wow. and almost everything that has been said from Kevin Samuels to Brother BGS and on, Farrakhan has said Mm. there are many reasons why uh, he has become more even-handed talking about women starting back in the early 90s before the Million Man March. One of the reasons, unfortunately, or two of the reasons, unfortunately, have to do with two of his sons, Brother Joshua and the late uh, Lewis, his his, uh, namesake, you know, they were involved in some, uh, you know, some stuff that, you know, were egregious in terms of women. And, and so he had to come out and speak um, and, and start to exalt uh, a, a little bit more of the uh, 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 respect issues. Right. But even handedly, what I see nowadays is what these brothers have been seeing since 2019 is a lot of these young social media Muslim influencers you know, yapping out all of these, you know, feminist talking points and they hustling. They are hustling for the money. So mm. I have taken almost every time I've gone on Instagram and seen some of these brothers chastising black men. I'm talking about brothers from the Nation of Islam about what they should and shouldn't be doing and talking about patriarchy and toxic, uh, you know, masculinity. I would take a lot of the stuff that uh, that we learned from Tommy Curry, and I would just throw it back at them because a lot of these brothers, young brothers and older brothers, they don't know what they're talking about. A mm. lot of brothers from the Nation of Islam were picked from the mud. Some of them picked straight out of prison. Some of them had terrible, terrible uh, reputations with women. So uh, oftentimes you will hear them chastising or putting values on what they think men should be doing based off of their past transgressions. That's one of the things. Another one of the things is, especially with some of the younger, more popular influencers, they are hustling for the money. Mm. But I've been, <laughs> I've been, every time I catch it, I, I have been on, I mean, leaving, leaving tones in terms of comments, you know, to try to put, uh, to try to steer these brothers back and tell them, you are turning off black men. Mm. You are turning, you are not fishing. You are not helping Farrakhan. You are not helping uh, to, uh, to grow this nation because black men are not listening to, you know, that old dead rhetoric. Y'all are way behind. So I'm starting to see uh, some of them try to be more even-handed. I actually saw Reza Islam uh, try to uh, 
call out sisters the other um, uh, uh, on one of his posts uh, recently. And even with Razor, Farrakhan went in on him and his fiance for something that they did. And Farrakhan went hard on his fiance. Hard. And it had to do with, with, with a situation that the two of them were involved with. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's uh, one of those things that um, I see from a, a, a like kind of an even perspective. You know, I have a lot of love and respect for the nation of, of course, a lot of love and respect for uh, Farrakhan, but mostly for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But I, I have told you guys several times, you brothers are the next coming. You're the elevation of what we need, uh, what black men need to move forward in this space. And a lot of time, a lot of the issues that the brothers talked about has to do with the powerlessness of the black man in this country. True, I live in the suburbs of New Jersey. I'm involved with black, I mean, not black, but Muslim uh, people who are well-to-do in my neighborhood, doctors, both husbands and wives. They, mm -hmm. do, they have nothing to do with what we uh, deal with as black people in this country. I don't care what religion they are. They have nothing to do. They could do whatever they feel uh, that, that they want to do. And, uh, and, and a lot of the women, and uh, particularly the young girls, my, my daughter's friends, they are more free. They are more feminist. And I talked about the, you know, Malala Yousefi, that young girl who was uh, shot in the face, had become a uh, kind of a martyr for Muslim girls about uh, 12 years ago. Um, and, and, you know, pushing a, a feminist agenda. And it's a reactionary agenda predicated on the stuff that literally happened to her. Uh, and so the brother was right. A lot of people started to um, have to prove that they were not uh, as aggressive as, as, as many of the uh, Taliban and all of those people. But that's not our issue. Okay. Okay. You know, yeah, so in, so order, in order in order for them to be received in them in America, they had to I see. Okay. Absolutely. So that you know, that's but again, not our issue. Our issue I've noticed is uh because a lot of brothers bring up the money aspect and you know, hustling these women. Uh because some of these women are, are able to access funds, it, it, especially when you're one of the in the poorer communities, you can access funds. So yeah, you're able to be the ones uh, to have the housing. Let's say, for example, you're a young Muslim from the Nation of Islam couple, you know, brother may have just be out of prison. He's got no access to housing. Mm -hmm. So when it, when they match him with a sister, and this has happened with brothers out, out in New Brunswick that I know, um, they matched them with sisters and the, uh, and the things are in their names. Many of these women are, are working or getting assistance. So they have more of the power. Uh, uh, in the, the the economic dynamic, and I keep mentioning the the lecture by Donna Farrakhan because Donna Farrakhan did kind of a, a remix of what uh, 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 her dad did twenty five years before, which was to say the sisters are starting to act mannish. Mm. You start to talk with too much bass in your voice because you know that this country is elevating you over your man. They're putting the cart before the horse. She mm -hmm. has a, yeah, the lecture is, is as plain as day. And a lot of times these these brothers are at you know are acquiescing. And like BGS said, when he said 
a couple of weeks ago that even the nation of Islam is matriarchal, he's absolutely right because it took the nation of Islam is an American, black American Muslim organization. So unless you're mm. a brother who has a lot of economic power, um, you're going to be dealing with the same thing that any brother do, uh, does uh, uh, has to deal with. I get to watch some of their young sisters sound almost like Chrissy and Paris Milan when they're talking about certain things on one of the brothers' channels who's a, uh, who was the son of the former Supreme Captain Sharif uh, Muhammad. I, and he will often bring on young sisters to air out their grievances with dating in the modern, in the modern world. Um, so there, there, there's a lot of disconnect. And one of the other big disconnects from the, within the nation of Islam is a lot of those older brothers who've been around since the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and still to, today, they, they want to impose their idea of patriarchy as being the person who has to be the one to, you know, you get to be the boss if you take care of your woman. Right. So, you know, it was like, well, if you get out there and you work and, make, and let your woman stay at home, that's not possible for most black Americans. Mm. That's one of the things I love about uh, Yvette and Tone is they tell the truth about the economic state of black America. Mm -hmm. Most black Americans are not going to be able to have a, a, a man be able to let, let his woman stay home uh, while he works um, and does everything of that that's old and dead and many of those uh, many of the older brothers i'm talking about men in their 70s and 80s will give terrible advice like yeah you gotta you know you gotta open up your own restaurant like i did back in the day brother there was no regulations when you opened up your restaurant back in the day <laughs> <laughs> i mean you 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 what are you talking about you had no competition they got we got muslims coming to you know indians coming to this country opening up subway right now that uh, you know a subway or or, or or different sub place that you couldn't even get off the ground we're different the problem that we're facing and this is it for me is that we men women and black men together fail to unify with one another to do what we need to do to grow each other to make ourselves economically stronger that's why i love these spaces because it gives me the opportunity and other brothers the opportunity to thank you brothers by way of uh you know cash app and saying we need you to be strong we need all of you brothers to be economically secure so you can reach more that you could teach more of us and that's all i have to say i'm t fitness for you on youtube i'm a fitness channel uh so if you guys want to work out, just go and do that. But thanks for having me up. I appreciate you coming, man. You caught me with the restaurant thing. The All you needed was some pots, pans, and some food. You exactly. You know, you ain't got no inspectors in this in those uh steak and shake. Hey man, I appreciate you coming up, man. Peace out. Salam alaikum to all the brothers. Peace. All right. <laughs> Let me get uh, Martin to weigh in, and then we're going to go back to Merchant Traveler and get his thoughts about the, the dialogue, and then everybody can actually give uh, give their closing thoughts about what they want to add. Uh, Martin, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead okay, and perfect. Yeah, yeah, man. This is this is such a good topic, man. And, and um, I, I just had to join this one just because it, it hits home for me. Um, I've, been, I've been transitioning into... Um, just an overall, like a just an overall outlook and, and pursuit of Islam, 
And when I when I think about this, um, I'm 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 just so curious as to why it's gotten so bad as far as our relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. And and I, I honestly believe it 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 it, it kind of boils down to um, like who who's like who who's calling the shots, right? And and not necessarily in a household, but more so. Um, um, what, what, what are, what are, what are you, what are you, what are you contributing to, to society? And when I look at, uh, the black community, you know, collectively, um, it's, it's not, it's not really strong when, when, when it comes to collective, um, contribution and, and I, I work, I work in a downtown area in, in, uh, in Miami. Okay. And every time I walk through there, there, there's always a new, um, uh, location where they're building a high rise. And and I, I get I get the opportunity when I go to work to see like piece by piece by piece by piece how they build this thing. And I think to myself, like what 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 does it take for us to to collectively, you know, have have the have the capacity, the want to and the desire to pursue um, building everything for ourselves, blueprints, patents. And, and building a world for ourselves to where our women, who I believe the reason why they, there's a, a, a disconnect is they, they don't respect us enough, I think, collectively to, to really, um, you know, bring, bring, you know, bring, bring that type of um, respect that we, we all seek uh, be, because they, they're, I think they're, they're just following, you know, the, the rules of, of the current master that's in place, if you ask me, when, when it comes to. Uh, of the world we live in in America in the West, and I, I'm, I'm I, I get so caught up in this because I understand how important um, everyone is, you know, men, men and women, because obviously without women we you know we we can't we we can't we can't bear children, and without men you can't have to see to to you know to do the to do the uh, the combination. So my my biggest thing is how how like what steps do we take, um, and not not even what steps because. I'm I'm pretty sure we we've we've had we've had those discussions in the past, but when 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 what time what when 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 will it be time officially for us to put our egos aside um, as men and as women um, to to say let's let's literally build everything by ourselves homes uh, stores you know like everything and, and stop and stop relying on these people because again. Um, I, I listen. To, I listen to the, uh, you know, the nation. I, I listen to the five percent as well, nation of gods and earth. And I and the Wu Tang was famous for, um, you know, being a part of that. And I was listening to RZA talk about one time. He said, you know, it, it's not that the devil captured our bodies; they captured our minds. They captured our minds, and that that hits that hits so heavy for me because it's like it's true. It's true. There 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 is no reason for us to be this disunified. At this point, considering this is 2022, and we're we're not even a hundred years from, you know, getting hung from trees. You know what I mean? Like I I don't understand where 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 the where the the rift happened, and and I'm trying to figure out the the main source of this so we can completely you know uh, uh, eradicate it and and really pursue something where we're doing everything collectively instead of having this individual uh uh you know american dream kind of facade going here man i I just just want to know your thoughts about like what what's really you know what 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 can what can we do 
you know, as a, as a collective, even with Manosphere or, or just, just anything, anything dealing, dealing with black people, what, what do we do to really like just completely take, take over this? Because I can, I can see we have the talent, but we just don't have the mind to, to put the talent to use. I, that, that's what I see. Well, I, I would say we don't have the structural resources to implement it to the same degree, but, um, Let's 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 open it up. Let's have the brothers who are already up on the panel. You guys have been quiet for the longest. I appreciate your patience. Does anybody want to weigh in and respond to Martin's question? I think I think to your to your question, uh, the empowerment that that you're actually experiencing now is learning the language. I think uh, for for so long, uh, white supremacy uh, in in how um, it was able to. Um, uh, raise black women through education before black men got it. Not that black men are are, are 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 unintelligent in any way, and in a lot of ways more intelligent in some in some ways, you know, on on a natural basis. But the language, right, that that women have been black women have been infused with, they've been using us using that against us for a century, right? And so that has been our downfall is that we have not had the language to respond to the circumstances and conditions that that we have found ourselves where they have been uh dominating us essentially right and so they they feel because they worship you know as as you talked about the dominant society because they dominate they worship the dominant society they worship language right and 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 they feel uh to some degree if you cannot meet them on the on the on the on the on the field of language best them they're they like you do not qualify to dominate them to for them to submit to but i think now you know and and i particularly find this and this is why they hated kevin samuel so much because he had the language he got that from the manosphere right he came to the manosphere he got the language right he didn't have anything more than 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 any of us other brothers had Right. It's just that he was particularly gifted at taking all the language and, and putting it together and coming back at them sisters and look at the result. He was able to dominate every sister that he came across. And I'll land there. OK. Anybody else want to weigh in? Yeah, I'll, I'll weigh in a little bit here. Um, you know, I think what we need to do as black men is we need to cultivate and build our own ecosystems and what i mean by that is we can't expect there's not going to be some national movement that's going to change everything there's not going to be a black messiah that's going to come on the scenes and change everything so black men of like-mindedness need to come together and form ecosystems amongst each other so if you are someone is interested in entrepreneurship you need to get with one two three four other brothers who are on that same exact tip. You brothers need to encourage each other. You need to inform each other about information that the other may not know and, and encourage each other and push each other along those paths. And as, as you as you and those brothers come up, you're pulling each other up and you're helping each other up and you're assisting each other in doing that. Or let's say you, uh, you're a brother who wants to be in tech, because I'm in tech. You get with another brother or two or three brothers who are interested in tech and you do the same thing. You create an ecosystem amongst each other. And by creating an ecosystem amongst each other, you maybe we can hopefully have some type, we can build at least on the smallest scale, 
some type of economic advancement, some type of um, educational advancement, and even parlay that into brothers who who do want marriage, who do want family, being able to assist each other in that, assist each yes, other sir. in trying to get married and form a family. And, yes, and if, if we can put together, if we can build these ecosystems and then put the ecosystems together, we can maybe produce a, a functioning community somewhere. And and not and not to cut your wisdom, sir, but I, I've I've also had discussions with other people about potentially um you know forming um what whether it be family units or or, or communities where we we have a, like like a almost like a, a, a class of children where we literally teach them everything that they need to know about you know every single science of society that that you know, deals with uh, uh, the currency that we're, we're, we're currently dealing with, Me meaning every single every single thing on our bill, you know, the water bill, the electric, you know, the ele electricity bill, the mortgage, whatever it might be. I, I, I want us to start like I, as far as the conversation I, I, I have with people, I wanted us to start really educating our children about the sciences of that. So they don't they don't become slaves to, the, you know, the the, the bills. Because that, that's that's literally what's what's occurring. We're we're, we're so suffocated with, you know, making the bill and, and doing this and, and doing that. I, 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 I really want us to push forward in, in that in that type of uh, uh, realm and in that type of uh, society where we've, we've mastered all of that and we can do it for ourselves. I'll say you know, this. I, I'll say this. So, you know, um, I want brothers to understand. And this is before we even map a solution. I want brothers to understand the scale of what it is we're responding to, right? If you just took two things, and there are many others I could add to this, but if you just took two things, you take government and inherited wealth. Those are mm -hmm. two things that most black men lack, right? Even immigrants coming in from other countries have either benefited from some degree of inherited wealth from where they're from or influence from government. And mm -hmm. that, isn't, that isn't even responding to those who've already been here. Every group that we know of that's doing well has, has, has had some support from either of those longstanding structural institutes. We, we have none of that. So what we're responding to is building uh, in, in response to a lack that is, that is significant. And every group that we've seen prosper has had the benefit of. So when we map a solution and a response to this, we can't act like we have support systems and structures in place that others have benefited from that we never have. We have to be realistic and cold, coldly realistic about the state of our affairs and what we're responding to. So one of the reasons that we put together the Black Male Political Agenda is because we're trying to create a culture amongst Black men of responding to these issues, doing it in tandem with one another and what Ian was saying earlier, giving resources to one another, sharing ideas, you know, but operating in very much like a team fashion because we have to do this in a manner that very few to no other groups I've seen actually have to do it. I mean, we're, we're basically in 2022 still getting it out of the mud on one level or another. And this is unprecedented. We have to recognize that we're not able to just mimic other groups. This has to be unique to our experience because our condition is unique to our experience. So it's 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 a protracted issue. It's a it's a you know many respects I've regarded it as a war against uh, most particularly black men has been going on for centuries. So we have to respond to this in a very strategic manner with one another in tandem. But 
you know, we're, we're doing it without the resources and the structural support that, you know, we've, we've witnessed other people get. And this is where it gets strange when the very women that we are in the same community with have more access to these institutions than we do. It's, it's a difficult kind of path to, to mark out and articulate because how do you explain that? Especially when she's measuring your worth against, uh, you know, those who have had those resources or herself. So every individual brother ends up competing with, say, the United States government for her respect, her respect, attention, and affection. That's that you know, right. certain respect, and, percentage can, but I really and, for most. And, and Doc, the scariest thing is that these women are, are they they've gained so much access and resources, but because we're so disconnected, they have no idea that they're supposed to bring it back to us, so we can, you know, so so we can actually, you know, make something of it, considering that. Not no no offense. Men men just naturally have those those inclinations and logic logical factors of oh, of, of purposely applying them. You know, so no, I'll do you one. Well, better. You know, I'll do you one better. Most won't even admit that they're getting support. When, when notice what? Mm. Okay, so so if you look back in the last few decades, right? We I'm I'm Gen X. I, I came up from the '70s onward, and I saw the access women had, and that black men didn't. We were on two different trajectories in some respects, right? One of the things I noticed was instead of acknowledging the support structures that women had, they created black girl magic. In other words, they acknowledge their ascension or their, you know, where they are, at least where they imagine themselves to be um, in relation to their own, what, you know, wherewithal. How many women do you see actually come up and say, yes, we've had everything from, you know, and name the institutional support structures that she benefits from that black men don't. How many women have you heard publicly do that? Most very of them few. Are, no. very, no. Most, no. most will sooner talk about their own educational achievements, their own career achievements. It, it, Black girl magic. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. So for them, the assistance they got it becomes invisible. It becomes about their ascension, their prowess, their ability. And the and Black men's social failure in their perspective is not viewed as something that's been instigated structurally. It's viewed as our individual failure as men. Right. So With that, that the T. Not because you're brother. I'm sorry, but uh, but every aspect of the society does that. Even with the immigrants, they play that card also. They, you know, they, we we work harder than everyone else. Um, we came over here to uh, we didn't come over here to listen to rap music and you know eat fried chicken like you people did. When in reality, they, they you know they they have access to all types of loans. Right. Even even some the Muslims want even even the Muslims who, Muslims who are not supposed to take riba, <laughs> uh, who are not supposed sure. to take interest bearing loans, they still mm-hmm. do it to mm-hmm. open up a, a store and sell liquor, blunts, and pork. And then they tell so, you ain't a real Muslim, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so we have to be real. So brother 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 uh, Hassan, you know, I think hearkening back to what we were talking about earlier and what uh, the brother Martin was just talking about, if like-minded brothers who want to create an ecosystem want to carve out a place to try to create some semblance of a of a uh, community even from the ground up like you said it has to be out the mud we're not getting support from anyone we have I, I think black men need to seriously think about that we may not we have to do this without black women yeah. can i say something go ahead yeah, Urban Dower, man, you, you touched on some 
I got a hundred stories like that from other brothers I've been around. And the thing about it, the community what it was there to help them in their disobedience. You mm. know? Mm. So the one thing, man, um, like my father told me what made him come into Islam was he saw black men respecting and loving each other. Mm. And mm. we need to do that universally where you know, there's some type of brotherhood, you know, and what, what's been happening is a lot of brothers been, you know, selfish and, 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 you know, and, and playing each other out. Whether when, when some money comes around or a pretty face woman come around, you know, a brother's going to turn on you a lot of times. So we got to stop that. We got to have some type of code uh, ethics and some type of love for ourselves and our brothers. Right. You know, that's very important for us. And this, you know? and this is why I, I really wanted to ask this question. And I need to thank Merchant Traveler and everybody up here for being willing to come up and talk about this. The reason I brought this up is because for many of us going back to, you know, the 50s and the 60s, we saw um, uh, other religions outside of Christianity as a refuge. We saw it as an opportunity to rebuild. We saw it as a space that, as I said earlier, welcomed strong black manhood. And what we're finding is the same institutions that we're grappling with in other act, other you know parts of society, we're grappling with there. And so we 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 got to be able to put these conversations on the table. And black men have to be able to come together across religion across uh, bipartisan politics, across class, across occupation, across geography, black men have got to be able to sit down and say, okay, what do we have in common? What can we do to address the situation we're in? And, and this is how you do it. You have to build the vocabulary by having the conversations and developing the concepts that fit our circumstances, because you just can't take these concepts that others are using because it doesn't fit our reality. Now, I want to give each person a, a, an opportunity to close, give their closing thoughts. I want to end that with Merchant Traveler being the last, uh, you know, because, again, I, I want to appreciate him for stimulating this conversation. I'm going to start with Martin. I'm going to go to Urban. I'm going to go to Ian, Conscious, and then Merchant. Closing thoughts about today, about what you had to offer and, you know, what your thoughts are about it. Uh, yeah, th this, was, this was a great program. And, and Doc, I, I actually catch all... I hope to catch all of your episodes, no matter where I am, no matter what time of day, because it's a uh, it's always a a, a a fulfilling type of feeling when I, when I hear you talk and I hear your discussions because it's it's things that just it's not it's not spoken about enough, and, and um, I'm just grateful um, that you have this platform and I'll, I'll keep supporting you no matter what, and and, and again the, these look these type of comments. Or not, not comments, but these type of conversations are so crucial because I'm, I'm telling you guys, man. Me, me in particular, I, I grew up, you know, one, one out of five kids. I'm, I have four sisters. The, you, you, we, we need, we need, we need. We're fiending for, for real brotherhood, you know. And I mean, like, like every time you see, you know, one of your brothers, you know, black man walking down the street, and you give him the head nod, it has to be more than just a head nod, like. You all right now? Nah, it has to be. Are we on code? You know, and and, and again, um, I'm I'm working on myself all the time. The the internal institution that needs to be established, like like our brother just mentioned, we we cannot we cannot grow out of character when certain things happen as far as acquisition of 
a certain amount of wealth and, and, and even the, the allure of certain uh, females, they, they, they cannot throw us off of our, off of our, uh, off of our dean and, and off of our goal. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just grateful about, about having, you know, access to this space. And, you know, I, I wish everyone the best of, uh, you know, luck and, and, you know, let, let's, let's just keep grinding, man, together, man. So hey, thank you all, man. Much appreciation. Thanks for coming up. Good brother. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. All right. Peace. Uh, brother Urban, give us your closing thoughts, please. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I jumped on board because I think this type of conversation is much needed. Uh, if you don't see a conversation like this a lot, there's a lot of conversations going on in the manosphere. But from this particular angle, I, I've yet to see a conversation like this. And, you know, I just applaud you for using your platform to host a conversation like this amongst um, brothers who are in Islam and just brothers who are black and experiencing life under white supremacy. And and as you said, you know, the it the the, the problems that face us, um, they are incredible, incredible. You know, they're very large, but um, I can only speak for the brothers who, you know, there may be Muslim, there may be Christian, there may, may be in the nation or whatever you are. If you have uh, you have the concept of faith in your life, then you have to have some type of hope or some type of belief that even white supremacy can be overcome one day. Um, now, it can't just simply be blind hope, you know, staring at the sky. Waiting for, for waiting for an angel to come down and, and help and save you, it has to be put into action because we, as we all grew up understanding that faith without actions is dead. Um, now, what actions they should be, how the actions should be coordinated between us, um, how it should be structured and organized, those are conversations that are probably going to have to be had on another day, another day, and another show. But they need to be had. They need to be had, and you know. I just appreciate every brother on here, and uh, and I'm glad you let me on and, and to uh, participate. Uh, peace to every single black man. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam, good brother. Thank you very much for coming on, coming up tonight. Thank you, <clears throat> brother Ian. Shout out to Ian Graves, who has been supportive uh, for ooh, a good few years now. It's much appreciated. Give us your closing thoughts, good brother. Um, yeah, everybody needs to check out Dr. Tiasan's channel, the Onyx Network. You know, the brother said he he needs to get this information 24 hours a day. Well, you got it there, you know, on Roku. <laughs> Download it on your iPhone, uh, on your Android, you know, get it today, you know, because it has, you know, it had all, all the information you need right there. But, um, but, but, but back to the topic, I think um, you know, essentially what we're doing here, as far as what I was saying before about building a language to, to combat language, because we're talking about tech and we're talking about building, but we have mm -hmm. to understand social engineering. And, and that's one thing that we have not uh, mastered, social engineering and understanding the engineering of ourselves, um, mm -hmm. and the engineering of, of the black woman. Um, you know, it's, it's just like the, like when, uh, the nation of Islam wrote the secret of history between uh, blacks and Jews, right? We, we, this, this is, this is information that you're not going to get anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's almost like a, like a, like a, like a secret in a sense, because no one wants to tell the real story about who the black, wo black woman is in relation to black men. Nobody wants to tell it. 
not even black men, but here in the manosphere, we're telling the we're telling the story of what this relationship is. And it's not to demonize anyone, right? And just like it was it wasn't to demonize the Jew, but we have to be honest about where we stand in relationship to the black woman. You know, um, me and Man Friday, uh, I don't you know you guys know him, but we we understood, you know, as as far as the uh, the the freedom of, of black women. Black women have been free and 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 have had a different outlook on their relationship to white supremacy than we have for for centuries, right? Because I, I just came upon some information um, when when uh, when when the Caribbean got their freedom was given their freedom, right? The uh, uh, fifty percent of the slave owners, right? They got reparations for 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 not having their property anymore, right? Mm. And so you had fifty percent in Britain, and then you had fifty percent. The other fifty percent was in the Caribbean of 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 who uh, the slave owners were. And, and and what a lot of people don't know, the majority of those slave owners were were black women, mulatto and or black women, right? That in some some form of fashion, they were they were able to to inherit the the wealth right and so their their relationship to white supremacy is a lot different of, of ours because white supremacy doesn't want to give a, a black man anything right but black women have always inherited from their relationship to white supremacy and we have to wake that up and be honest about that so we're not dealing with a woman who's coming on the low she's coming above us right and and we have to put our egos aside and realize that it's like yo, we're dealing with an entity, especially when they when they move in a collective. They're they're a lot more powerful based on their relationship with white supremacy. This is not just dealing with man against woman. This is like you said before. This is man against woman in government. And I land there. Uh, thank you guys. I appreciate that, man. And the other component to add to that is black women were able to tap into this white feminist movement. They were invited by white women. Because white women were using womanhood and sisterhood as a as a collective endeavor to push and advance themselves. So, you know, you do have this different relationship with the white power structure that women are able to have. But by the time you get to the 1960s and white women kind of push this this new option of engaging in this kind of sisterhood, you know, dynamic, it opened up a whole nother door of resources again for black women along those lines. So we see the feminist advancement. But I appreciate you coming up, good brother. Um, let me go to consciousness. Go ahead and right. give us closing thoughts, man. Can, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, always a pleasure, um, Dr. C.S. Johnson, and um, definitely you as well, Merchant Traveler, for this conversation right here. Um, look, identifying the nuances, the pervasiveness, and the complexities of really these Eurocentric thought systems and their intrusiveness on um, African reality. Um, that is very important because just throughout our daily lives, we see the just the pervasiveness of all of this. Uh, consciously, subconsciously, we're being affected by it. However, I think it's platforms like this to, what, to that when we really bring these conversations to light, to the forefront, we really start to um, consciously interpret and analyze and be able to comprehend just, you know, the depth of it all, you know? And so I, I do think that's very important, especially for um, you know, the brothers in the community or whatnot, because, you know, we don't, we don't have these conversations often mm -hmm. um, or sometimes we do, and we're just not aware of it. You know, you might be at the gym, be at the grocery store, et cetera, but, you know, um, 
like this and the fact that this is something that is you know publicized and other brothers can find this on the web and have access to it it's a beautiful thing to be able to counter these narratives but i also did want to ask a question um to, to the brothers um, on the panel uh, to merchant as well as dr tiasan johnson um for many of us i, I believe the brother um Dawood and a few other brothers were just talking about this in terms of, you know, just culturally as African men, you know, looking for wives, spouse, you know, just how important that's been for us culturally. So my question is, you know, as a young brother, you know, later 20s now, you know, would like to obviously, you know, find a sister on board or at this point, honestly, a woman from a conservative culture um, that I, you know, would hopefully be able to get on board. You know, what are some of the recommendations? I know Merchant, you know, you talked about being abroad. You know, myself, I've looked at countries, you know, women from Sudan, maybe Somalia, Eritrea. I'm not even just necessarily, you know, um, Islamic cultures, but just cultures that have more that conservatism, though generally Islamic cultures, a lot of times you might see more of that maintenance. But what are some of your recommendations, say, if I'm looking abroad? Because um, I've been abroad before, West Africa, uh, Ghana, you know, talked to the houses, Fulanis, the Gombas, you know, been to Togo, Benin. And then I'm um, just if I am in the States, maybe how also I could kind of filter my lens and look if, if you know, looking for a spouse and whatnot. Well, right now I'm not married, but um, in my experience, like I said, my father, you know, I know a lot of other brothers and the situations is pretty good. You know, um, these women are reared to be wives in these cultures. So, you know. But, you know, but in any situation, you want to try to investigate, know the family, you know, if you want to go the traditional route, you know, you got to go that route, know the family, know what's going on. You know, you don't want to go to a, a, a country and you don't know really what's going on and you want to invest some money and some time in that. You know what I mean? But that is mm -hmm. it's, a, it's definitely a good route to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't give you I, I'm not. I wouldn't give you advisement in that sense in, until I had my life uh, in in a manner that was reflective of that. I'm not, you know, in a relationship or married for that matter. Me um, neither. <laughs> I, I, I'd say only in the generic sense, you know, which I still think is important that brothers do. Um, Cause I've talked to a lot of brothers and it's weird. Many of us didn't even really create a standard for what we choose to have in a relationship until we were past 40. You know, we didn't we didn't we didn't know to do it. We we were you know, I came up in the 80s, you know, the culture of that time period, especially between the music and all of that. You, you were supposed to, you know, fall in love and ride in the sunset and all that crap. <laughs> but it took yeah. until we we really gone through hell and back before many of us actually stopped and said, OK, what are the standards that I'm going to allow for? What are my boundaries? What am I not going to put up with? Those are conversations I wish I'd have had in my 20s. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, so as generic and basic as that sounds, I can't stress how important it is to have a standard, have a clear idea, and then vet anybody you run across. I don't care if she's, if she's from another country or, you know, whatever, to be able to vet who you run across and make sure she meets your standard. You know, mm -hmm. those are things that I mm -hmm. don't believe black men were taught, especially in my generation. We were kind of taught that you know, especially coming out of the somewhat the, the nationalist community as well, 
we were taught that our goal was to, you know, support a woman, provide for her, be a good man to her, love her properly. There wasn't a whole lot of standards for what women needed to do for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of standards of what we were supposed to do for them. And so many of us just became, we tried to become these uh, jack of all trade lovers that uh, yeah. was perfect man. But you, you ended up going through hell and back, you know, before you realized, wait a minute, I've never even been taught how to how to develop a standard to hold a woman by. Yeah, you know, just listen to that baby face song. Uh, I, clean, I clean your dishes <laughs> and all of that. <laughs> I cook food as soon as you get home. Like, and, uh, and, and the more you do, the more she resents you. And you don't understand yeah. why. Because you're told um, that you know your 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 value is measured in your service, but she resents you the more of that service you give. And it's counterintuitive. So it took many of us, hell, I got brothers that didn't come into it until their 50s. And the point that mm -hmm. I'm getting to is. They found peace, whether they're mm -hmm. single or whether they're married, they found peace because once they established the standard and applied it in their lives, you, you get to a point where you're either going to invite more peace in your life or you're going to maintain the peace you have. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That that okay. improved the quality of life for a lot of these brothers just on that. But again, we wish we had it. In our early 20s so yeah. yeah you know we didn't have a manosphere where you could even have these conversations you just mm -hmm. hope you, you had to hope you ran across somebody that could school you and maybe you could apply it but that would be my one piece of advice by you know really establish your standards establish your values establish what you'll have and what you want what are your boundaries and apply it and don't apologize nope Oh yeah, most deaf. Well, hey, I said it's just in, in good tidings, you know, from um you yourself, BGS, Kevin, you know, all of them talking about Marisol, Mailing, Myling, all of the other stuff, man. You know, just you know, I used to just kind of laugh at that a bit, but I think it was one of the um the brothers actually who um and I said this last part, I forgot it. What did he say? He felt like he was forced to have to, you know, basically entertain a woman of another culture or whatnot. But it is interesting from having come from more of a, a black nationalist or pan-African standpoint and very much still in that ideological space. However, because of seeing the, the nuances culturally in our community, being now introduced to terms like gynocracy and actually understanding what that is and then seeing mm -hmm. how these things have gone historically, it's a, it's a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And now in particular, um, you know, because I'm, you know, study culture and whatnot. As I look into the cultural paradigm far more now, from as opposed to say a racial lens, and then seeing, I think it was a nameless protagonist who also talks about you know women who can fulfill the function of being a wife, and how historically our community has not, at least in recent decades, substantiate that and have enforced that that cultural duty and responsibility. And that now, you know, the whole SYSBM and so forth like that. You know, you just see how. It's, pr it's pragmatic, it's practical, you know, because the alternative is un the, the unfortunate tool of seeing many men who have filled that, co you know, that vacuum, you know, when there's maybe been other men who were incarcerated or were murdered or whatnot, or just not in the picture and they just shit it all. You know, you see other brothers and they, you know, they put their two cents in and they try to put the work in and the community don't respect them. So mm. um, very much so enlightening conversations, always a pleasure. And I wish the best to you, brothers. Hey, man. Appreciate you coming up, man. Appreciate you, bro. All right. Uh, all right. Merchant, again, man, I really appreciate you coming through. I appreciate Beautiful. you bringing the subject. 
uh, engage in the dialogue. You know, like I said, man, I haven't run across too many brothers that were willing wow. to initiate that. So give us your closing thoughts about this. What do you want brothers to walk away with as far as this issue? This is beautiful, man. I almost brought tears to my eyes to hear some brothers' stories. One thing we got to know, first and foremost, like Dr. Ron O'Neill say, BMI, man, black male independence, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you and like you say at the end of your uh, your talks, you know, value yourself as a man. You know, you don't need to be nobody's uh, uh, ATM machine, nobody's <laughs> unpaid uh, uh, bodyguard. Right, right, right. Love yourself. First thing, if you deal with any woman, and this is the, this is the the lesson I want to bring y'all. Islam is, you know, men are supposed to be over women. But if you come into any situation, even if the woman is submissive and you're not a man and you don't have character and integrity, the same thing that befell you in any situation is always going to happen. If you don't have principles, if you don't value yourself as a man, you're going to fall back and regress to the same thing. So we've seen this happen in any type of uh, philosophy that we have because us as black men, we need to have love for ourselves, love for our reflection, our brothers. You know, as far as when we see some of us hate ourselves so much that we're killing each other. Mm-hmm. We don't respect. Uh, I've been on jobs. A lot of brothers don't have respect for any black male leadership themselves. Yeah. You know, we don't have any respect for our leadership, black male leadership, and we want to tear each other down. So my message from this, anything that you're on, any religion, any philosophy, value yourself first as a black man and value your brothers. Indeed. And I'm coming. You're independent. You're free. Don't put things in your head that limit yourself. I'm the merchant traveler. You could get up, you could get out of America. You don't have to complain about what what so and so is doing. Mm. You could be free and do for yourself. And mm. if somebody's not playing your game, you take your ball and go home. <laughs> you're a black man, you're free and independent. You don't need nobody telling you what to do. You don't need nobody making you that your unpaid security guard, ATM machine. Have respect and love for yourself. Be yourself and accept your own. That's some wisdom for my father that he gave me. You yes, know, that was, that was the, the the thing that brought him into Islam. You know what I mean? Empowerment. The Quran says in the the world is vast. You don't want, if something ain't working here, you could take it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? On mm-hmm. your path, and you could uplift yourself. I'm the merchant traveler. I want everybody to follow my channel, my YouTube journey. I really love Dr. Hassan. Like I keep repeating what he say at the end of the of the show. That's real. That I felt that the brother is sincere. We need to support other brothers, man. Mm-hmm. He not no big pretty woman on the screen. You know, you got these women that come out. With MGTOW, you know, speaking some of the brothers' talking points, and they getting all I'm looking at their chats, they're getting all type of money. Y'all need to hit the brother up. Man, we gotta support, you know, we for us to be taken seriously and respected, 
We got to support Brothers Media. This is beautiful. I never heard nobody talk like this in my life. And brothers really sharing their experiences. We got to support this. Much appreciated, good brother. Uh, thank you again. And uh, I know you're on the East Coast. So I'm going to let you get yeah. some rest. But, yeah. uh, man, have a good one, brother, and thanks. All right, brother. I love you, man. I'm here for you. Likewise. Peace. Peace. Oh, oh, damn. I didn't mean to cut you. Sorry about that, fam. Um, man. So that was great. I appreciate Merchant Traveler for being willing to come through and, and bring up a subject that isn't talked about a lot. If you have such a subject, is there something you want to discuss? Uh, you can go to my website, tsonjohnson.com, and you can my email is at the top of the site. You can use that, respond to me, uh, send me your thoughts. Uh, if you have some ideas about what you'd like to see my channel, the Onyx, the Onyx Network, uh, what you'd like to see happen on that channel, feel free to email me as well. But I really just want to say I appreciate all y'all for extending the support, for being willing to engage the dialogue and reflect on we on how we as black men can be can work with one another to improve our overall situation. Support the black male political agenda. You can go ahead and Google the 14 point black male political agenda. If you're curious about that, we are adding points to it. So if you have ideas that you'd like to submit, please feel free to do so. And we will go from there. It is not meant to stay the 14 point blackmail political agenda. It can be the 300 point blackmail political agenda for all I care, as long as we actually produce the ideas and the, the proposals that we want to see happen. So we have a standard. See, I talked about having a standard in a relationship. We need to be able to have a standard in terms of politics, not to where we're strictly tied to one political party, but we're tied to our interests. And those we work with have to be willing to work with us. But you can't do that if you don't have a standard. Same thing in relationships. You're not going to have a positive, supportive relationship and all of that jazz if you don't have a standard. You just end up going from one situation to the next. And trust me, I'm telling you this from experience. I done jacked up enough to know. Anyway, y'all have a good night. Much appreciation to you. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man-children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace. Thank you.